Coffee Metal Podcast, episode 124. Welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Don Cardenas, and I hope you've been having a fantastic week. Uh, apologies for two things. One, for the wait on this episode. My family got hit with a bunch of illnesses back-to-back. I'm recovering from a triple whammy of pneumonia, strep throat, and pink eye myself. And it just, it took a while. And I, you know, finally listened to myself and tried to rest and get better. And probably the only reason I'm even doing as well as I am a couple weeks out from that. So... Uh, first of all, that's what happened there. Uh, second, this is a very long episode. I had a ton of fun uh, chatting with Craig Rasmussen, and he has a lot of really cool, fun things to say and, and brought up. And instead of editing it all down, I figured we'll leave it in there whole hog because, again, he's a cool guy. I like what he has to say, and I think you all will enjoy the conversation. So uh, we're going to cut everything else short this week. No recommendations, uh, aside from I love the Monarch show on Apple Plus. Really awesome. Uh, loving the Godzilla X-Kong trailer. Looks great. Can't wait to see Godzilla Minus One. I'm a fan of all kinds of Godzilla stories, so I'm in, I'm in kind of kaiju heaven right now. Uh, Coffee-wise, you know, still just digging down on my root list. I've had a couple bad coffees uh, recently, and I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> That's a little traumatic. They're really, really bad, and I had really high hopes for them. But uh, yeah, so we're still sticking with the root list train. And in terms of uh, comics, you know, I spent a bunch of time reading Craig's comics. Uh, I read uh, the second Spider-Ham graphic novel and a bunch of Dogman comics because that's what my daughter's into right now. So we're reading those. And if you're interested in fun uh, all-ages comics, those are fun. I mean, there's definitely some jokes in Dogman I was chuckling at, so um for sure uh it's not the usual fare i go into but hey you know comics are comics and all comics are great uh and aside from that uh music orbit culture has a new ep out the forgotten it's really good it's really heavy it's really melodic you know if you've liked any other stuff that i've talked about before please go check that out and yeah that's it so let me get to the interview and uh move on with the rest of this show so go check that stuff out and I really hope you uh, did this interview with uh, Craig Rasmussen. All right. And it is now time for my guest. Today, I am joined by someone I have never met before, but he was sent my way by the awesome Melissa Mazaris and Don't Hide PR. And if her track record speaks for herself, it's always someone really awesome I get to speak to. And judging by all the stuff uh, this gentleman sent me and the things he's doing, it's it's a ton of awesome stuff. And I'm really going to enjoy this conversation. Um, he is launching a subscription service uh, called Monkey Gong for some really awesome looking comics. And in our brief chat before we start recording, uh, he's a, sounds like a pretty rad dude already. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Craig, uh, Craig Rasmussen to the show. Craig, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, Don. I appreciate it very much. And yeah, you got, I got the last name you right. Did. I got the last name right. Everyone, everyone, yep, me usually listeners did. know I'm, I'm, I usually like mention when I screw something up. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. we don't have to yeah. at this point um so craig uh again thank you for coming on uh everything you sent me from monkey gong looks looks really awesome i can't wait to talk to you about it um but you know you know the game of the show you know we got to do this first <laughs> comics coffee metal what are you digging right now 
What am I digging? Well, I'm sitting here with my most metal coffee cup that has a uh, it's black coffee cup with a rabbit skeleton mm. on it, uh, drinking an Americano that I made in my espresso nice. machine that my mom so so kindly bought for me for Christmas last year. And uh, it is a uh, an intelligence. No, sorry, damn it. It's a sight glass coffee, which is a Bay Area roaster. I also have some intelligentsia okay. in the freezer, and I hate saying the name of that place. <laughs> 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 it makes me feel like an elitist hipster <laughs> douchebag instantly every single time. Well, you know, I, I, so. I always like hearing when someone else has like their their roasters they like and, and all. Is this a roaster you usually get stuff from, or is it somewhere you're just trying out? Or well, it is, but I kind of lucked out because I do Imperfect Foods, oh, okay, you know, okay, the yeah, grocery yeah. delivery service. Yeah. And that is those are the two roasts that oh, they carry. Okay. So I just have them send me coffee every week, which was possibly a tactical error because I have a freezer full of beans, like way more than I've been able to drink, which is probably good because I would have had seven heart attacks by now if I tried. But, you know, it, it's, it, you know, I was already familiar with Cyclass because I lived in San Francisco for seven years and then I lived in LA okay. for two. So I was, a, a, I was unfortunately familiar with Intelligentsia as a roaster and their incredibly expensive in-house coffee experience uh, actually on site wow. in uh, Silver Lake. Oh. So that's why I get to talk trash about it. <laughs> Well, uh, expensive coffee seems to be in the air. Uh, last week, my guest uh, Dalton Deshane, he lives in New York, and they uh, they mentioned they they work right by a Starbucks Reserve, and they have like ten dollar lattes mm. because like the the coffee beans are like uh, roasted in like aged whiskey barrels and like just this insane. Yeah, it's just like what is going on? Uh, but yeah, and maybe <laughs> maybe the beans are not burned like regular Starbucks I would, I would beans. Hope so. I would really really hope so, but. Uh, well, you know, so. What is a Starbucks Reserve? I, I've never heard know, of that. I, I heard the name, but I didn't realize that that it's they spent fancier stuff. I thought they just had like different options of things, kind of like those McDonald's that have like the world menus and stuff like that. Um, like I think there's, there's one in Chicago. Yeah. I think that you can get like all the weird crap they have all over the world for everybody else. Um, yeah. But, uh, well, you know, Don, I make dystopian science fiction, so my mind immediately went to, oh, Starbucks Reserve is where Starbucks, the company, doesn't have to like <laughs> pay, you know, union yeah. wages or allow unionization or something. Have they found out some it's, way to rebrand behind it's, it's the an scenes or something like that? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Where they, they've, they've, uh, uh, they've listen, taken over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I was about to apologize for being cynical, but I'm like, this is a metal coffee yeah. and comics podcast. Cynicism oh, probably yeah, I, fits I right in. I do my best to be positive, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's hard not to have uh, uh, tinges of cynicism. Oh man, these days? With everything, but... Uh, Dude, it, the most optimistic of us are so challenged yeah, right now. It, it, it's it, insane. Uh, it's, yeah. it, well, you, you were mentioning like an East, uh, a West Coast coffee brand, and I literally just picked up uh, a bag of Oakland coffee today. Um, which is hmm. the brand hmm. owned by Green Day, which I didn't realize. Um, usually, uh, I get my coffee. My wife and I, we get it. We have a subscription service with uh, Rootless Coffee, uh, which who are fantastic. Yeah. So if you ever feel like branching out somewhere else, I would definitely check them out. Um, okay. get, no, I do need to branch get, out. It's too convenient what I have going. <laughs> we get. Uh, well, you have more than enough to catch up with for sure in your freezer. But <laughs> I know I need to stop it for a minute so yeah. that I can actually give myself some uh, options. You know. Um, but uh, I usually get this five pound bag of their particular medium roast, but it, it's like every two months. So there's always like a couple week period in there where I can go get something else from somewhere else to try and talk about it on the show and stuff right. like that. Yeah. So I was just at my local uh, grocery store today and I saw, you know, I was looking for bags. And I saw that this was on sale. I'm like, Oakland coffee. I never heard of them before. 
So I just picked it up and I was just reading the bag. And then all of a sudden I look on the side and it's like the guys from Green Day all signed it and whatever when their little packaging or whatever. I'm like, and I looked it up real quick. I'm like, oh, I guess this is their coffee. I guess I'll try it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Do you think that they had to have like an idea session where they had to talk themselves out of calling it Dookie? You know, I'm surprised there's not like a dark roast called Dookie. Like there's just, there's, right? I'm, I've, I've, I've looked at their website earlier and I'm like, there's just... There's, I, I could be wrong because I don't know all of their albums, but I'm not seeing any a lot of references to their albums or anything on here. The closest I mean, one, yeah. I would, I would totally, I would totally do an America, uh, an espresso roast called Americano Exa- Idiot. You know, there's, there's a lot of options. I, I maybe, maybe they're saving that, you know, just in case, just yeah, in case maybe. they need to do it. Um, <laughs> close. But you know what? They can have it if they didn't come yeah, up. Yeah, it's. Yet. I mean, it's, it's, it's right Sorry. there. It's right there. <laughs> Uh, Green Day, if you're listening, you're not. But <laughs> just listen, just, listen. Don't don't sell yourself short. Just fake free ideas are just flowing right here. Um, yeah, the closest one they have called Soundcheck or something like that, and it's like, all right, whatever. So hopefully it's good. That's um, boring. I'll be sure to chat about it on the show when I try it. But yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So tell me, Don, how do you drink I, your coffee? You know, I am not a black coffee person. I've tried so much. Every time I get a new roast or something, I try to drink it black. I've tried to drink it without any cream or without any sugar. You know, I've tried all the variations of it. And like, if I have, if I have no other option, yeah, I'll drink it black. I'm not gonna be like, ooh, disgusting. But I'm usually like, you know, a, you know, one sugar, some half and half. And that's, that's my, my go-to. Um, and, you know, I, I know if I, I'm usually drinking around three cups a day. So usually by the third cup, you know, I can just take or leave any like extra sugar or even like a lot of the half, you know, everything kind of like the added, the add-ins kind of like dwindle down with each successive cup. So, you know, I could hmm. probably drink something closer to black coffee as my last one, just because I've already had that, you know, flavor or whatever. Um, and there could be, there could be a, a metabolic reason yeah, for maybe, that too. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. I'm, I'm, fin- uh, anyway, yeah, I am finishing up my last cup <laughs> right now. Uh, usually I try to drink it a little bit earlier, but it, it you know, I have two kiddos and it, just like the trees on a mm. ring, you can see the rings in my coffee cup <laughs> when I'm trying to drink it, I'm getting pulled away to do something else. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'm working yep. on the last of that. Yep. So you, you're a, you're a black coffee person. Yeah, I am. And, and, you know, I've been drinking espresso for a while just because my mom got me this machine, but also because I keep murdering coffee grinders. Uh, I love a good French press, but I'm, I don't know what's going on, but I can't keep a coffee grinder alive. <laughs> I've killed three in the wow. last year, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I've got the espresso machine, so I'm just going to quit trying until somebody says, here's a $150 coffee grinder that is made of titanium, <laughs> you know, and has no nooks and crannies where a bean, yeah. you know, shard can slip inside the machinery and somehow, because I literally think that's what's happened every cool. time. And it's like, if you're making a thing that has grinds, yeah. like grounds it in it, secure, yeah. it shouldn't be susceptible to grounds, like messing now, up the machinery. What, what, what kind of grinders were you using? So, were you using a burr yeah. grinder or like just like the blade grinders? Uh, just the blade okay. grinders. Um, I had uh, like a, I think a Black & Decker, but I had it for decades mm-hmm. and it was just the most trusty little warhorse. And then it just finally, the cord oh. snapped over the years from just wrapping the cord around it yeah. to put it away. You know, just just at the base, I probably could have rewired it. That's probably what I honestly should have done. You know, in mm-hmm. retrospect, because I can't even find that model anymore. They've upgraded it from the cheap plastic piece of shit that uh. it used to be. 
and now it doesn't work as well, of course. So anyway, yeah. So I'm just looking around and also I'm not trying cause yeah. I have an espresso machine, you know? So, yeah. but there's moments where I, I'm just like, man, I'm so tired of making Americanos, yeah. you know, but it'd still be black if it was a French yeah. press, you know? Well, uh, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I don't eat sugar and mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't do a lot of dairy, but I also feel really full when I have a coffee that has any kind okay. of creamer, artificial or, yeah. you know, plant-based yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like, it, it feels, yeah and I get that. Way. You know, a lot of people, you know, they, they're just avoid sugar in general. Cool. Um, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think I do a ton of sugar in my, anything else really. So this is kind of my, uh, my sugar for the day. Um, yeah, I think the most I get, you know, sweets wise is probably just my, my, my secondary soda <laughs> habit, which, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I try to keep at bay anyway, but, um, back to the grinders, uh, just because I recently purchased a new grinder, uh, a couple months ago and, I had the same Mr. Coffee grinder, blade grinder that was like 12 bucks or 15 bucks for, you know, I want to say mm-hmm. 12 years maybe. And I only had to replace that because uh inside the the little bowl, like the little um plastic parts that like kind of shift everything around as you're grinding wore off and broke. Yeah. Like everything else was still working oh. fine, but like I, it just wouldn't work because and you can't get like a replacement for that part. So I said to buy a new one. And then so I bought like whatever the same, like, I guess, model that I had before. But obviously it's been upgraded, so to speak. And it's like right. twice as loud for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of annoying. And I'm like, I'm kicking myself because I'm like, I should have just like buckled down and just like convinced myself to get like a nice burr grinder or something. But then I'm like, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> it's one of those things where like it's i can get too far into the weeds with something like that you know because we also got like a um little pitchers for cold brews um and it's 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 i mean it's pretty cool these days like they have like a little like it's right 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 in the middle of the pitcher is a little filter you toss in your your grounds you fill it up toss it in your fridge and 24 hours later you got some great cold brew um, that I can drink black. I can drink the cold brew black because it's a lot less acidic. Really? It's a lot less acidic and it's a lot, it's, huh, it's a lot, uh, smoother, I think. Huh. Yeah. You know, that's really weird is that the cold brew punches me in the stomach oh, so hard. Yeah. That's what I find to be. So, cause I, I've talked to other people about this before. It's so interesting. You know, some people are like, yeah, I need some creamer in my coffee for it not to hit my stomach mm-hmm. hard. Other people are like, no, no, I need it black to not hit my stomach hard. No, no, I need cold <laughs> brew to not hit my stomach. It's so weird. Because everybody's yeah. got the reason, you know, it's either more acidic or less acidic or whatever. But it, it, and we're all obviously pH balanced, you know, just for ourselves, so yeah. to speak. Uh, you know, we're probably a similar generation, so that actually made sense as a tagline yeah. to you just now. <laughs> but uh, a, a, you know, deep breath, deep breath. Anyway, um, you know, that's one of those commercials that's like I unfortunately had to watch it seven thousand <laughs> times over the course of my childhood. Anyway, listener, you figure out what we're talking about. I'm not going to take you any further on that tangent. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, just like the pH thing where it's like, I just think it's hilarious that you're like, oh, cold brew is just, you know, I really like it. It's so smooth and it's black. I'm like, wow, no, thank you. You know, like I'll buy a bottle of cold brew sometimes and I'm just like, this is murdering me slowly from the inside. (laughs) You know, I I will say I cold brew though. I can't drink it like past like the evening because then I'll be like it mm -hmm. for some reason, the caffeine hits me so much harder with the cold brew well 
There is a thing, and I don't know how this relates to cold brew, but I'm sure it's related because like when I used to work in the restaurant business, if you left the coffee on the burner mm-hmm. for a long time, there, for a very long time, the caffeine actually increases while you're keeping coffee mm-hmm. hot. And then it, and then it mm-hmm. dies off. And that's actually when the flavor kind of, you know, shits yeah. the bed too. But I wonder if there's a thing with cold brew where the, you know, the longer you steep it, so to speak, you know, the stronger uh, it gets. I, I, yeah, I would firmly believe if that, if that was the case. And it's interesting uh, what you said about yeah. the leaving it on the burner, because that is something like I did, like our day-to-day coffee is just a drip machine and we kind of have, it's on all yeah. day. We make one big pot in the morning. One thing I learned fairly recently within the past year is that we used to have the burner heat on high so that way it'd be warm, you know, longer if it's shut off or whatever, the timer shut off. But then I realized, mm-hmm. I, I forget which video I was watching, one of the one fancy YouTube coffee guy. Um, that sounds dismissive. He's really, his videos are actually really cool. But like, you know, J, uh, James, <laughs> his, his, his videos are great. Except when he's tasting things, because he has this weird, like, zzz, like sipping technique that I just fucking can't when he does that. Because <laughs> it's like back to back of that sound. Anyway, I'm digressing. Um, so uh, I, I, he, he just mentioned, turn it down. Turn down, turn down the heat, so that way it's keeping it warm, but it's not cooking it more. And I did that, and I noticed, right. like at the end of the day, the cup, the the, the coffee tastes so much better <laughs> than it used to. It doesn't have that tang, yeah, it's, 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 you, know? you know. It's not perfect, you yeah. know. It's not like the first, you know, no. grind and and uh, uh, brew, but it's like, oh yeah, this is fine, you know. This is so. Yeah. No, no, go I'm ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. Cut I'll, off I'll, the I'll end of your sentence. But uh, yeah, I'm so bad at the internet podcasting. I love live podcasting, but internet podcast is always tough because of the, the latency. There's just always a second where you're like, I got, to, I'm no. sorry. You know. Um, but uh, the other thing, I don't know if you know this. I hope you do. But there's another secret about uh, those drip machines, which is the bacteria that grows inside mm-hmm. of them. That, that, that like beige film that you see inside of it. That is actually an organism, a microorganism that feeds on caffeine. So the caffeine in your drip coffee is less and less and less if you don't clean it, basically. Like the longer that stuff builds up, which is, it's gross because it just, it just will exist in there pretty quickly within like a week or so of cleaning it. But like, you know, when you see a machine that hasn't been cleaned for, you know, go to a bachelor's yeah. apartment, <laughs> hasn't been cleaned for two years and you're like, yo, there's literally a colony in here. They've, you know, elected a prime minister, you know, like it's, but I mean, it's just an interesting fact about those machines. I have never been able to make one of those work for me, to be honest. Um, no, I, I, I am aware of that. And yeah, we pretty, pretty regularly, I wouldn't say every, every week we're cleaning it, but I do, I, I use filtered water in there. And I also, there's like an internal filter in there and that's mainly mm-hmm. for the water so i know like there's other things that you know cause that bl- that brown film and stuff but you know d- since doing that i've noticed it shows up less um and all that um but one, one trick yeah. i did learn with the drip coffees and i don't know if this would sway you to try it again but is if you're if your brewer has like a, that sneak a cup feature we can just take out the mm-hmm. the, the carafe while it's brewing um when you start right. Uh, making the coffee, take it out so it doesn't drip right away, and it lets the be you know, lets the the ground soak more, and you can like just open it up and like swirl it around a little bit, kind of like what you do for French press, like you kind of like stir it up a little bit. Yeah. And if yeah. you if you do that at the beginning, like it, it, you get more saturation of everything, and it kind of like and it it builds up more uh, of a reservoir of water in the filter, 
in the, in, in the ground so that it's, you're just getting more of the coffee wet <laughs> and, and hot. Hmm. And yeah, no, that and, makes sense. You know, so I, I try to do that as often as I can because there's been more than enough times where I start doing that and I forget I'm doing that. And all of a sudden I just ruined <laughs> all the coffee cause it's overflowing from the filter and it's making a giant mess on my thing. But <laughs> if, you know, if you're someone who can pay attention, <laughs> not like me, yeah. um, I would, I would certainly <laughs> give that a shot coupled with like, you know, you know, you just ground the beans there. Like, I think that's the closest you I, I've gotten to like, you know, this is the best you can make a drip coffee taste. <laughs> a clean coffee yeah, maker, yeah. filtered water, uh, doing all right. the other. And it seems like a lot of work. It's, it's also like, this is no less work than like a French press right now. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, even the espresso machine is kind of a lot yeah. of work. I don't, I don't know if it's like, cause it, it even goes back to the expense of coffee. It's like, I don't think you can skimp on coffee. Cause when you do, you get diner yeah, coffee. Yeah. You know, like you, it's, you get coffee that you get when you go out to get eggs somewhere and you're like, what the fuck are they giving me right now? This is literally water, <laughs> you know, but it's so caffeinated, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just like, it, you know, it's a, it's a crime to consume any of that. I don't know why people would even, you know, I'm so picky about my, I won't go to a gas station unless maybe it's loves when mm -hmm. I'm on the road, you know, there's just, you just have to have some standards when it comes to coffee, I, you know? Yeah. And I think that the effort is the craftsmanship is part of it. Yeah. You know? I don't, I don't judge people who love, uh, just, you know, the, the black hot water. <laughs> well, you're the host. You have yeah. to be a diplomat. No, I, I, yeah, fully I, judge. I, I, I get it. You know, I get <laughs> it. I just, that's just not my bag, man. Like I just, I just can't, I'm sure there's some mm. food item along the lines that like I, I'm, you know, I like, I'm perfectly fine with the trash version of that and, or probably even like pizza, like, you know, that's probably where my, uh, line gets, is drawn for some people. Like, cause I'll, I'll go eat like little Caesar's pizza or, or I'll actually get a taste for it. And other mm -hmm. people are like, how the fuck could you put that in your mouth? <laughs> no, but the little Caesar's is sort of like, there's like a crack element. They put something in that pizza. I don't know because it is, it tastes criminally mm -hmm. good for what it is for, especially for how much grease is it. It's sort of like the Del Taco it's, pizza, it's, you know. It's, you know, it, when, when you get it like straight out the oven, like it's uh, it's great. Like it's like there's no better um, way to eat it. Um, and the garlic the, cheese, oh the bread the, the or whatever that bread? stuff. Yeah, is. Oh, I mean my that's God. Oh, crazy that's, bread, right? Know, the yeah, crazy bread sorry. and the crazy sauce. That's you know something I've you know long obsessed about since you know i was a kid get caesar's you know it's it's legendary you know? i mean you know like junk junk food and and bad coffee i feel like are separate things yeah, you, know? you know it's definitely apples and oranges because like junk food is a there's a place in my heart for junk food i just had macaroni and cheese the other day that i bought like just you know it was like a you know at sprouts which is almost like a you know poor man's whole foods or whatever so it was not exactly like craft mac and cheese but still I, i'm trying very hard to be healthy and not do that to myself <laughs> and i'm like no i'm just gonna go for it because this is my comfort food and you know every once in a while your your soul needs to scratch that itch i think but like when it comes to bad coffee i don't know what you're doing for yourself i think you're doing you're working against yourself with bad coffee most of the time no you you're right i mean it's also an expectation thing right you know like if you're expecting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the pizza to be kind of trash, but you like it anyway, then there's no harm, no foul. Right. But you know, if you... they do say pizza's like sex too, right. You know, like it's, it's pretty hard, even when it's bad, it's still kind of you good. Know, it's pretty hard to like completely have terrible of either. I mean, that's not true as yeah. we all know with both probably, but 
but like yeah I, with coffee i just don't think it's the I, I same was, thing i would say know? people who's who have said that about about pizza and coffee have never had like pizza off of a food truck at a, like a construction site like yeah. no you, that that's bad yeah that yeah. that's that's you know that's yeah it's it, true. It, it, it may not be comparable to, you know to, to like sex but it's like no it's it's more like uh the other thing where you're just full of shame afterwards <laughs> exactly well like a one-night stand like a bar like a bar yeah, hookup it, or something it, where you're like okay i guess i maybe yeah, should have done not, that this was I mean, not my was finest kinda... moment as a human um right a exactly exactly i'm gonna carry this one with me I for a little res- while I should respect yeah i know one thing you learn as you get older is you never that's the one place you never want to end up with any <laughs> <laughs> you know like you know who I didn't respect myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's the worst, worst epiphany that there is. Um, not to, I don't know how long you want your coffee segment to be, and I don't want to drag it yeah. out, but I'm sort of curious. Cause like, this is kind of what getting down to what yeah. we're saying here. Like, were you, have you lived in like a, an urban environment that spoiled you with coffee where you're like, Oh, Oh, this is coffee. Um, well, to first answer your question, like we can just go on as long as we want with the, with the coffee segment. There's no, there's no set time limit before this is, uh, you know, the, the, the mode of the show, the, the, the general crux of it is conversation. And these are the things that, you know, I like the most <laughs> to talk about, uh, outside of, you know, nice. you know, uh, family stuff. So it's like, I'm more than happy to get down and dirty with, with all this stuff in the while we'll have, we'll make sure, uh, we don't go too long because there's so many other things we can, uh, awesome things we got, we got to hit, but yeah, I grew up in Chicago. Yeah. And so one would say like, yeah, a plethora of plethora of like amazing coffee shops in Chicago, but I didn't really get into coffee until like my mid twenties, mid to late Mm twenties. And even then the coffee that finally got me was a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Hmm. You know, a lot of people have that experience, man. I don't know. Not me, but I get it. And the thing about Dunkin' Donuts coffee is like you, I can, there's, three Dunkin' Donuts uh, where I live now within like a two mile radius. And I can go to each one and get like a medium coffee with cream and sugar. And I guarantee you each one will taste drastically different. Either and not, I'm not even talking about the coffee. I'm just talking about like how much, what, what they consider cream, the appropriate amount of cream and sugar is when you say cream and sugar. <laughs> so, right. you know, it was, it was really like the stars aligning that day to where everything was just, just enough for me to be like, I like this now. And I never liked Starbucks mm. coffee. I, I just could never get with it. It's and trash. Then it wasn't <laughs> until, uh, I want to say, uh, I forget what coffee. Wait, for the longest time, we just, we, we were just, we would just brew the Dunkin' bags at home. and st- But then there was uh, this brand called Javalia that we found mm-hmm. that I ended up really liking. And we stuck with that for a very long time. And then uh, I think eventually I just, you know, would, we would try other coffees and stuff like that. Um, there's a bagel uh, bagel chain called Einstein Brothers Bagels that they, yeah, they, they used to have there. really good coffee. They switched to oh, really? what they partnered up. Oh, God, who would they partner up? Another coffee brand. Is it, is it Pete's? Uh, was it Pete's? I don't know. Pete's partner with um, somebody. Maybe it's Noah's that Pete's partner with. Uh, yeah, they 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 partnered because it used to be a Starbucks. Yeah, they partnered with somebody for yeah, a while, and they changed the coffee, and it just was like we, my wife and I were like, no, this is garbage now. And then they 
the partnership ended and it was like rebranded as the Einstein Brothers coffee, but it still wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. It was definitely not the same coffee, not the same beans or whatever they had before. So that was very disappointing. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of like our. I'm, so I, well, I was never really like a really big like spoiled with coffee because my parents they drank the the tins of Maxwell House, and you know my grandma had Senka. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we 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 never uh, and my you know uh, my wife and I have you know we were high school uh, sweethearts and stuff, and so we've been together for ages, and you know her parents never drank uh what you would consider good coffee <laughs> in fact they're 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 the people who are like the trashier it is the better like that yeah yeah that's a generational yeah, thing. so it's just like okay that's what they're used to fine i mean i kind of envy them because they save so much coffee <laughs> but you know my my dad my whole life my dad has bought the big tin yeah you know the big like you know, basketball size tin of just ground coffee and just keeps it on a shelf. And I'm just like, Oh God. And then just, you know, shovels it into the drip machine. And it's just like, it was the muddiest, most disgusting, just ground ridden, you know, and he just loved it. I was like, man, this year just, you don't even care (laughs) at all. What's what's going on in this machine is just not important to you. You just want it to be Brown and have caffeine. (laughs) Were were you spoiled by, uh, local coffee places or was it something you just discovered on your own? Not as a kid. I tried, I mean, coffee culture kind of became a thing like Java city and Mm -hmm. Starbucks and, you know, all those places kind of became pretty hot when I was in my like very late teens and early twenties. So it was all around me, but like, I'm a pretty wired person as it is, you know? And I, I was, especially back then not understanding what I was dealing with, which is like a, you know, minimal autism or ADHD situation that's, you know, plagued me my whole life, but I finally have skills to deal with it. Back then, I remember having a coffee and working at Chili's and serving this table of four people who were probably only like three or four years older than me at the most. But one of the people, this girl would not speak to me because she said to her boyfriend, had him tell me, she thinks you're on drugs. And it's because I had like a quad shot white mocha. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I just got so out of my mind on caffeine. It was just rattling at the teeth probably and just, you know, <laughs> Gatling gun speech at my tables. I'm sure, you know, I have no idea what was happening then. I'm sure it's not that different these days, but you know, just, I'm just more calm physically than it now. So it's less imposing, but you know, it was one of those things where it just didn't mm-hmm. hit me right. And I just kind of kept going in and out of it. And alcohol was the same thing too, where I'd like drink for a little while and be like, Oh, this does not agree with me. You know, and and that's really still where I am with alcohol now. It's like it only agrees with me if I'm at a comic book convention <laughs> on a Saturday night and I've earned it. Yeah, you know, but uh, but yeah, no, I got what happened was uh, what had happened was I basically didn't care about coffee until I got deeper in the restaurant business and I moved to San Francisco. Uh, even in Sacramento, when I was in the restaurant business, coffee just wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I drank it, but I didn't care. Uh, but then I moved to San Francisco and that's when the spoilage definitely started. And the second restaurant I worked at there is this little neighborhood place that just had its 30th anniversary as a neighborhood restaurant in like a part of town that in any other city would kill a restaurant because it's just not, seems like there would not be enough foot traffic, but this place is special. They do a special Hanukkah, a special Passover menu, you know, it's run and owned by a Jewish family and all the 
staff are like a family and, and they take a lot of care. Like every single member of the staff has to come to menu tastings every single week when the menu changes. Mm-hmm. So uh, at one point, the coffee service mm-hmm. changed. And that was when I was introduced to French Press because they had somebody come in from, again, I'm, it's like the name of the roaster is right on the tip of my brain. It might have even been Cyclass, but I don't think so. It's, it was a Bay Area roaster, though. And a representative came in and taught us like how to do the four minute method mm-hmm. with French press, get the mud at the top and then stir it, all that stuff. And like, it was suddenly, uh, sorry, I got a motorcycle That's starting fine. outside. I didn't hear anything. It's good. Um, okay, cool. Um, and it was just a, a coffee epiphany oh, wow. because, hang on. <laughs> um, it was the first time I'd ever had a coffee where it was like, forgive the word like sumptuous <laughs> you know not to use like a merchant ivory film description word but it was like a sensual experience where i was like it's like sushi where you're like holy shit like when you first have a really good cup of coffee that's got like a crema on top and some body to it you're not just like drinking hot caffeine yeah. basically you're like oh this is almost like a food experience you know and that was that was really what changed me because then i was like oh I've, i'm gonna go buy a french press today <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> it changed my life. And that's why I complain now about the coffee grinder thing. Cause it's like, I think of that all the time where I'm like, I just really want, but then, you know, like I, I lived in San Francisco for many years after that. And I, I moved to this, Oh no, I guess it's not true. A coffee shop opened mm-hmm. in my neighborhood across this park, this dog park called Dubose park. And it's called Dubose park cafe. And they have Dubose park cafe roast, you know, I, which may it, it, it actually is, um, Oh, oh, Blue Bottle. That was the name of the coffee company. So, yeah, there we go. So, uh, Blue Bottle was big, and um, there's one that has, like, a sickle and hammer that's also big, too, and I can't think of it. Those were the two huge ones in San Francisco, the Ritual Mm -hmm. Coffee. So, those were the two. At the same time as I learned about French Press, those two roasters became huge in San Francisco. So, you could just, like, walk to these kiosks that were literally, like, in weird alleys, they would find a spot that used to be a newsstand or a cigar stand back in the 30s, you know, one of those mm-hmm. roll-up doors. You live yeah. in Chicago. There's probably all yeah. kinds of stuff like that there. Um, and so they would they would occupy those things with the spirits that they used to have, but with these, like, you know, absolute manicured, crafted coffees and just, I mean, just the most amazing espresso shots you could get, you know. And it, it was hard to come back from that. It's I mean, even now I'm so picky about coffee because just, you know, yes, it was expensive. Yes, it took five times longer than getting a Starbucks coffee <laughs> and you had to go further to get it or whatever. But I mean, I think that makes it more worth it. I mean, uh, that, 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 that is so much <laughs> of coffee too, is kind of the, you know, either you brew it or you're going somewhere to get it. You have your favorite place. It's the ritual of it. Mm-hmm. And that, that, yeah. Getting, getting to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, no, I, 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 I totally get it. And for, it, for me, it's kind of like, um, that experience is kind of like tacos. <laughs> Like there's, you know, it's, I like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not a, a snob about really anything on this, but like when it comes to like, Oh, this place has really good tacos. That's like the one thing my brain's like, does it, does it have really good taco? All right, we'll see. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and it, it just, go, it even goes down to like, uh, what was it? There's a, there's a place. Um, cause now I'm in, uh, now I'm in the North, Northern suburbs of Chicago. Um, but uh, there was a place that, you know, uh, my wife and I went to for one of our anniversary birthday things or whatever. And they had like a taco flight almost 
and they had some really interesting tacos, like different, like, you know, flavors and, and stuff like that. You know, I'm not like a purist about it. I'm like, okay, that was good. And then like, mm-hmm. you know, we went back like, uh, at a different time and like, they gave me, and I got the same thing. Cause I really liked what I had, but then they gave me like cold tortillas and I'm like, I'm like, I'm paying way too much money for you. Give me a fucking cold tortilla. Like what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my, uh, my, my, my rubric for, for taco places, you know, especially like in, when you're not in like an urban area that has a, you know, a dense Hispanic population, you know, you're going to get the people who are trying to deconstruct the taco or do different things with it, which is fine. Yeah. But it's also like, can you do the basic one? Right. Mm-hmm. At least to offer if, the if I order a if I order a steak taco with just cilantro and onion, and you can't get that right, I'm not going to trust anything else you give me. <laughs> well, you know what's happening, Don. Everybody wants to be the bear yeah, now. Yeah, I guess I, I guess so. Are <laughs> you going to deconstruct the the beef sandwich <laughs> on every level, metaphorically speaking? In our society, we're going to deconstruct the beef sandwich. This is what we're destined and, to do. You know, man. The, the funny thing about that yeah. is, like, if you ever had like a really good beef sandwich, it deconstructs. When you're eating it. (laughs) (laughs) Same with a good taco, man. It just pretty much happens right in front of you. That's why you got to make sure Uh, if if they're not giving me two, uh, like a two layer corn tortilla, I'm like, I'm not trusting this right now. You know, it could be good, but I'm not trusting it right now because I need a backup for when this one falls apart and I can just scoop everything else up. (laughs) Well, and it's like the opposite of coffee too. Cause like it burns me when I go to a taco place like that. I'm just like, stop it, dude. Just make me a good taco or burrito. Like what? Just do it right. Don't try to be clever. Like there's, there's no place for that. It's like, (laughs) you you don't have to be clever with tacos. Like, yeah. Okay, fine. There's no, I I don't mind. Again, I don't mind if you're doing something different or adding something different, but like, like that, that's, it's just, you know, that's just extra. You don't have to be extra right now. (laughs) You can make me a good, (laughs) please don't be. Yeah. So you said no, no street pizza, but like, have you done street tacos? Oh. Is that a thing that like, actually you've bought tacos from a cart or from a vendor, like rolling I mean, around town I mean, with their like, tacos? Or- I wasn't uh, in Chicago. You know what? We weren't living in Chicago when kind of like the uh, food truck boom kind of happened. Um, and my neighborhood didn't really have a lot of uh, food vendors. We had, we had, we had a tamale guy or a tamale lady, I should say. Mm-hmm. We had a tamale lady in San Francisco yeah. too. It's and so you, cool. And there's a lady. You, you know, <laughs> granted, you know, my mom could definitely make some killer tamales in her day, but the tamale lady always brought it. You know, she can't pronounce your last name, but she can I nail mean, the tamale. I, I, full credit to my mom. Like she went, she went hard <laughs> into like learning Mexican food and cooking and stuff like that. And based on stuff I've had from like authentic restaurants and and other people, like like my mom did a pretty damn good job. Like <laughs> of of Nice. of doing all nice. that so like i kudos to her um she can't get rid of her chicago accent nice. and, and apologies and apologies to her because we i just realized we talked about that off oh no, so no. Now i feel bad um, <laughs> oh, I, i'm pretty sure i've mentioned that on the show but in case anyone needs a primer like i was asking craig how to pronounce his last name and the top my last name came up and i said my mom doesn't even pronounce it right <laughs> she says cardenas because she's from chicago you know and that's it this is what it is <laughs> It's fine. Um, Carganus. Yeah. So she doesn't like do the heavy Chicago. Cardenas, she kind of goes a different yeah, direction. It's, with it's, 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 a weird, it's a weird option. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, can I ask you? Go a Chi- no, go Sorry. Go ahead. I, I mean, I thought you were, I thought no, you were done. I thought you were done. <laughs> um, can I ask you a Chicago question? I have Chicago. Oh. I have this, I have a weird Chicago fascination. Okay. 
I'll try to answer best of my ability. Do you know who, do you know the filmmaker Andrew Davis Andrew. is? When I tell you one of his movies, you'll be like, oh, Andrew okay. Davis. Uh, I'm not, the, the name but you don't know my name. Okay. Stricker Bell with me, no. Uh, I did not kill my wife. I don't care. <laughs> he directed The Fugitive. Okay. Um, and, he, and he directed um, Above the Law with Steven Seagal, which was made right before The Fugitive. And he also made Code of Silence with Chuck Norris, which was made right before Above the Law. And in all of those movies, there are a handful of ex-Chicago policemen who play policemen. And uh, this is where like Dennis Farina is, was yeah. part of this crew. I'm pretty sure that Code of Silence actually might have been his first movie. If I'm not mistaken, because right around that time, I know Thief was after it, and that was the one that made him yeah. a star. But I feel like I just don't know. This is just this weird thing that fascinates me. This the Chicago filmmaker. I just recently discovered Code of Silence and realized that he made this Chicago trilogy, like with these two martial arts guys and then the fugitive. <laughs> and like the two martial arts guys, by the way, those movies are almost clones of each other. Oh, it's yeah. insane. Um, but. You know, I think that's, you could say that for, you know, 99% of martial arts movies in general, yeah. I'm sure, you know, but, uh, it just fascinates me. I don't even know if there's a question here now that I'm thinking about this, but have you, so have you ever seen any of those movies and, or noticed the recurrence of those actors? If you have, I know I've seen deep? those movies. I can't, but it, I was much younger when I saw those movies and I had yeah. a doubt I would have recognized okay. anyone that was not Dennis Farina. <laughs> recurring in any okay. of them. Hopefully you have a Chicago listener who's like, I know that guy. It's like, I mean, dude, they're these guys, they have the, the sharpest Chicago accents. They're just so real. It's great. It's like, I wish more filmmakers would use guys like this, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I shouldn't say guys, actors yeah. like this, you know, like there are, there are directors who still prefer like the most real actors they can yeah. get. Like they get as far away from actual actors as they could possibly <laughs> be, you know? Uh, no, uh, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, yeah, I, I, I can't say I've, I've, like, if I watched them now, I'm pretty sure I'd be like, oh, it's that guy from that thing. Um, mm -hmm. Especially with, you know, yeah. IMDb being widely available and my very, very yeah, yeah. bad habit of, like, even, like, trying to look up the, a person I remotely remember from something else while I'm watching something. Um, <laughs> How many times a day? How many uh, times a day? I'm not too many recently, but, like, yeah, usually if there's a movie or something, my wife are watching it and, and, like, I, I, I try to ask her first because she has a much better memory than I do. I'm like, do we, is that person from a thing? And if she can't answer it, I'm like, fuck it. I'm, I'm looking at it right now because <laughs> I can't, I'll just be thinking it yeah, the whole time yeah. I'm watching a movie and not enjoying the movie. I'm like, hold on, I got to look this up. <laughs> and it's like, then it, you know, it, the funny yeah. part is when it's things like, I have never seen anything this other person has ever been in before. I have no idea why this person seems. So <laughs> Well, you know, maybe there's there occasionally there are, it could be like they did a print ad, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or, or I just you know, you know, whatever you just saw their yeah. face in a bus stop. I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> you know, with with everything online and these days, like it's hard not to realize, like, oh, well, maybe I just saw like some random news blurb about that person or whatever, or yeah, or even in your feed, yeah. it just like sc you scroll by because it was just there, you know, because it's a uh, suggested ad or yeah. something like that. You know, these days we have zero control over any of that stuff, and it's so hard. To go back and figure out the roadmap yeah. of where you've been with visual information. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the sheer amount of things I know about professional wrestling just from the people I follow. Like, I don't watch professional wrestling. I have nothing against it. It seems like it's a fun thing to do. I just don't have to start into it. The sheer amount of things I know about professional wrestling is ridiculous just because of that osmosis. And it, it is, it's so I'm like, yeah. I fully, I fully get you there. Um, 
So you know, I, I said earlier that like, we can just go on about this as much as we want, but um, you know, we we, we should nah, move on. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you mentioned to me you are a metal guy, and I, you know, everyone knows I love talking about metal because usually someone's telling cool. me about a band I you know, I've haven't heard of, and I try to hear about a lot of things. So, uh, what what metal have you been digging lately? Well, you know, it's weird, is it? Like, I, uh, shit, now that I just realized I told you this origin story of like my, my up and down origin of coffee and my up and down origin of like cool. consuming Give alcohol. Give me metal origin story. It's I'm fine. Realizing it's fine. It, Let's do it. Same. If, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's the oh, same okay. story, which is that when I was a kid, like, oh, Slayer, hang on, 18, yeah. you know, like just, I was super into, especially, which is weird. Now I realize like the science fiction nerd me. I loved the Hangar 18 video because it was a science fiction mm-hmm. theme, you know, and I loved those conspiracy theories when I was yeah. a little kid, Area 51, all that shit was fascinating me to no end, you know. Um, and I had that and I had um, Megadeth and I had, uh, God, I had one more metal album and I can't think of what it was. And then I had some gnarly hip hop, like Two Live Crew and the NWA. And I remember coming home from school at one point and all that music was gone. <laughs> <laughs> like my parents, I'm sure my parents were like, you know, at the time, I, at least my dad smoked at the time and maybe my mom still did, but they probably could just picture them in the other room, like smoking a cigarette really quickly down to the nub, like, oh, God damn it, this music, fuck, <laughs> got to get rid of this. I can't stand that he's listening to this. He's 12 years old. This is the wrong music, you know, you know, and I, I overcorrected with to color me bad and voice okay. to men and uh, we should never speak of that. Let's go back to metal. <laughs> I mean, voice to men, those men could, you know, they could sing. They had good songs. Yeah. They had good pop songs. Hey, you like, know what? I revisited recently because I watched Lethal okay. Weapon 3 and it has, it's so hard to say goodbye yeah. to yesterday over the funeral scene. And I was like, you know what? This song is fire. <laughs> it is so good. Yeah, you just listen to it. I'm like, I am crying on the inside and on the outside. <laughs> you know, and I've got there, the chills. There is no so. gatekeeping here with, I, I, you know, I love all kinds of music. Metal is definitely my first, uh, uh you know, my, my main love of music and just because there's, it's such a wide swath of things you can be into and still, it's still metal. Um, but no, I'm no stranger. Yeah. I am no stranger to, you know, enjoying, you know, anything that would be considered not metal, you know, like I love, I love synth <clears throat> and synth pop. I, you know, I, you know, cool. I would just as easily, um, listen to Tegan and Sarah as I would, you know, the, the latest Metallica record or whatever. <laughs> so we're good. Well, they do have yeah. the boom, Tegan and Sarah. Um, so, uh, same. And I wasn't necessarily, I guess, I just, uh, it's the color me bad that made okay. me self-conscious, I guess, because that's <laughs> kind of trashy when you look back on it. But, you know, I guess the point I was trying to make about Boys to Ben is they genuinely, I mean, are yeah, amazing, yeah. you know? So, who knows? I'm sure if I could go back and listen to Color Me Bad, I'd be like, yeah, it's a little proper shoppy, but I suppose I can recognize, you know? But, uh, sorry, you're going to ask something. What's that? I felt like oh, I cut no. you off. I felt no, like no, I no, cut no. off so, a thought yeah, that was you're, happening. You're, um, you're, you're, you're metal, you overcorrected with those bands. Um, and then uh, I, I always just want to make it, make it clear to you. Like you don't have to worry about feeling <laughs> there's no guilty pleasures. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you okay. Got, it, it, Fair enough. Well, that's definitely not, well, not what I was describing. It was okay. a guilty pleasure. I'm not sure I find any pleasure. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that like, I really, I was so into NWA and so into Slayer and Megadeth. That to, to this day, I can still, unfortunately, repeat every single lyric from Straight Outta Compton. Mm-hmm. I just replaced one word with the word ninjas instead. <laughs> ninjas with attitude. 
Um, because I, you know, yeah. it's not my place, but you know, it, anyway, my point is like, th- I think that there's some amazing music on that album. And I think I went back and I listened to the, the Slayer. I can't remember the name of the album, but the one that, um, hanger 18 mm-hmm. is on is a pretty solid album. It's fun. There's some fun tracks on there that are just, they really actually rock pretty hard and they're having a good time. It's not like they're so deep in their feelings that I'm just sort of getting, you know, completely ambushed by dark emotion, yeah. like some metal, <laughs> you know? Um, but anyway, yeah, no. So I've had kind of, kind of a resurgence of metal lately. You know, I'm like Spotify has been really helpful because, you know, just being able to pay 10 bucks a month and dive into whatever I want to besides, instead of having to buy an album and, mm-hmm. you know, hope that it's good enough to listen to on multiple, you know, uh, experiences that just never seemed to work out for me. So I was never very experimental until Spotify or streaming music in general came yeah. around, you know? So I went through kind of a Metallica phase. Um, and I went through like a harder, uh, you know, grunge phase, my Jane's addiction, stuff like that. I think they're great. Uh, as far as, you know, hypnotic, mm-hmm. you know, grunge but with a metal edge to it a little prog rocky they're fun but yeah i i recently like you know we've kind of we're talking before we recorded this year has been ridiculous and we'll go down in infamy as one of the most unpredictable chaotic rough years that most of us have had from what i can tell just taking a survey of people (laughs) in my life you know uh so it's no surprise to me that in in the last couple of months i was like you know it sounds good some fucking metal (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I just been kind of digging in, you know, and I asked around a little bit. I have a, I have a French friend actually, who is a total metalhead. So I was like, okay, I want your perspective. Cause she loves, you know, French comics and stuff. Like she got me a copy of the most recent Metal Herlant magazine and she, you know, brought it back from France and stuff like that. So I was like, give me your perspective on metal. Cause I want to do can a deep dive question then on like, did she, did she bring up Gojira? Go- Okay. Yes. Because they're French. They're French. Yes, so I, was like, I was like, okay. Yeah. I, I was just wondering. Because and the, yeah. the band, sorry, the French band that she brought up that I really like, though, is Slift. Slift. You familiar with them? S L I F T, all caps. No, I am not. See, this is exactly what I was talking about. Like, you know, I, I just get, you yeah. know, someone mentions another band. I'm like, okay, this could be the next band I'm like super into. Um, yeah. It's, it's rhythmic. It's, it's, you know, it's, um, mystical it's got like like a geomancer's heart to it you know there's a lot of earth magic kind of running through their lyrics and stuff um and i I, you know what i'm realizing too is that is a huge theme for me Mm -hmm. in metal and i don't know why that's the theme because there's another band it's i think they're bay area guys called green druid yeah i've heard i've heard of them before yeah i i have they're they're on my ever-growing list of like oh I, th- I think I've probably just heard a clip of them and I'm like, who is this? And I'm like, okay, I checked out more of this and I just haven't yet. But yeah, I've, I've, uh, um, yeah, I've definitely, yeah, they're just, I don't know. I, I've been just really, you know, I've been going through this, this dive lately and it's just been really, uh, they're so green Druid's self-titled album is that, Oh, sorry. No, it's not. It's called ash and blood. Sorry. It's not, uh, not very clear here, but that was, I listened to that yesterday. And those guys were recommended to me by some friends in the East Bay, okay. North East Bay. Yeah. And uh, so I think they are East Bay as well, but they, they're good. That's, that's again, it's like earth magic and, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's really interesting because I, I am kind of an environmentalist at heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to live a hundred percent sustainably if it was actually possible right now to do that. But uh, it's pretty hard to do that separate conversation. 
but you know, I think that like, I love the idea of like, like witches and Mm -hmm. warlocks and earth magic, you know, like in medieval times and pagan rituals. And I love that kind of shit. It's just, I don't know what it is exactly, but that has just had such a strong thread in my subconscious for the last couple of years. And I think like I'm now falling back into metal and it's lining up with that. And it's fascinating me, you know, have you ever been much into like doom or like the stoner metal stuff? Like the the Sabbath type bands. Okay. Yeah. Very into Sabbath. And in fact, I was going to say green druid has a very Sabbath. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I found my, my note on them. I'm like, (laughs) there's a band called blood ceremony that very Mm -hmm. much is got that, you know, doomy, folky metal, just mystical type of thing mm-hmm. happening that I, I I think I could recommend to you that I think you would dig. Um, very, yeah. very. I'll have to check that out. Blood ceremony. Yeah, very cool stuff. I have to start taking notes. <laughs> and it's, um, well, um, I'll, I'll make sure to remember to send you some links to like, uh, cause uh, it's uh, usually if someone's on here and they don't listen to metal, I try to get a, a vibe of what they do like. And, and then I'm like, I'm sure there's a mm-hmm. applicable metal band that I could send you that you will, you know, enjoy. Um, yeah. It seems like there's, there's a lot of metal that I do like. There is a type of metal that I don't like. I'm sure when I say it, you're gonna be like, Oh, totally. Which is the charging guitar and just screaming over the top <laughs> of it, you know, or there's no rhythm. I like, I need to be rhythmic, you know, I need to be immersed in something. No, I, you know? yeah, I totally get it. There's, um, there's stuff that, you know, I, I kind of like float that line with that stuff. Cause a lot of the stuff, uh, I think that's a lot of like, the hardcore type bands where it's just yeah. relentless. Swedish death um, metal. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no dynamics to it and all that, but there's been, right. a, I think a fairly sizable upswing in bands taking the aggression from like uh, an mm. intensity from that kind of stuff, but then adding in those, the grooves and adding in the, um, mm-hmm. the dynamics and the, and the quiet and the loud and just like really kind of expanding on those things and, and, you know, making that a uh, Frankenstein's monster of stuff. Uh, a band I, I really, really yeah. love these days is called orbit culture and they orbit culture. And I don't know if they'll be 100%. I mean, they definitely got some groove to their, to a lot of their songs. Um, of the name of the band. That's a great name. Uh, they, you know, I, I described them as Gojira and Metallica's angry teenage son. And, uh, they, they're, they're, I just think they're, they're really great. They got like their vocalist. He's got that, you know, late eighties, James Hetfield kind of snarl, you know, justice, justice Mm -hmm. for all league era. Um, and, Mm -hmm. but his, his growls, his lows are just like inhuman, (laughs) but, but Mm. it's, it's kind of like, but it's they are rhythmic in themselves. They're not completely atonal. They're 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 part of the tapestry of the whole of the whole music. And there's a lot of and their latest album, yeah. Descent, has like a ton of like extra melodies and solos and stuff like that. And like that really kind of you know shape it all out and gives you like that uh if you if that's not your type of like vocal style you enjoy, it mm-hmm. it's probably the best version of it, like if you wanted to try it. To, to, to check that okay. out um well I'll, I'll you know i'll tell you how open-minded i am i am a huge bjork okay. fan okay <laughs> okay 
basically I will take anything if it's creatively handled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, except for the super angry stuff. I just think I'm that's I'm not I'm not even into horror that much because I, I just don't like bad vibes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like I don't mind uh, you know, aggression or dark vibes or dark thoughts. I don't mind. I don't, but I, I'm not crazy about rage. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I don't really want to listen mm-hmm. to that. And like, I actually tried a newer green Druid album or like later today, uh, this afternoon after I listened to the first album and I was like, yeah, this is just uh, like half of it was just too rage based, mm-hmm. you know, especially cause we are in the rage machine yeah. right now, so to speak. So it's just like, it, it's just a little much and I, I need something that's a little more fun. And like, I like, for instance, like when I listen to punk, I'm a big fan of the violent okay. femmes and I know that they're kind of pop punk, right? They're light in a lot of ways for punk, but at the same time, there's a hell of a lot yeah, of attitude yeah. I mean, in their music. Yeah. And that's, yeah, no, no, for sure. No, no, no. That's exactly. something I respond they're, they're, right? they're, you know, they're not what you would think of immediately when you say a punk band, but like you look at what they do, what they sing about, what they, what they write about and things like that and how they, perform and stuff it's like no they are they're just they're just they're just not you know a bunch of dirty guys in in uh done you know ripped jeans screaming there it's it's different but it's still it's fun it's still that yeah there's there's a it's it's really fun you know like that first album. i mean i i can sing that whole first album from beginning to end and i often do (laughs) when i'm on a road trip because it's just every song is great on that album you know it's like and then you know i'm a sucker for a solid album that's actually one of the reasons I'm a fan of Bjork and I don't like everything she does. She gets super experimental sometimes where I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, this is, this is a science project. <laughs> this is not a sonic experience, you know, but, uh, but at the same time, like one of the albums I thought that about Volta, I saw her live in concert play from that album. And it was one of the most incredible experiences of my lifetime. Nice. You know, like it was, it was sonic. It was visual. Like she completely remixed the entire album with a live orchestra instead of the beat machine mm. that dominated the actual, you know, released album. And That's cool, man. It was incredible. And I was like, okay, no, this is a total artist. And I don't care if I don't like the studio release that she puts out from time to time. Yeah. I don't care because she's always going to be breaking boundaries. Even if it's like in the movie, the Northman that just came out, by the way, talk about a heavy metal fucking movie. Have I have seen not, that movie? It's on, it's, it's, it's on the list. I just haven't pulled the trigger yet because I'm pretty sure it's not my wife's type of movie. So I'm like, I have. And you don't want to watch it with your kids yeah, around yeah. either. It is not uh, for the yeah, faint so of I heart. Have, I have not quite. Cause that's, that's a Robert Eggers film, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's the least, it's the least Robert Eggers. Uh, uh, that's a lie. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to try to say it was the least Robert Eggers of that Robert Eggers has been. But I think what it is is that he's got, it's got the strongest narrative okay. through the entire thing, and it has a little bit of a revenge plot that gives it a momentum that his other movies don't have. You know, like a lot of his other movies are just such an acid trip that you're kind of yeah. like, I don't know if I want to yeah, be here yeah, right now. I, you know, I, but I'm, this- I'm not disparaging it, but I was not blown away by the witch like so many other people were. I, no, highly overrated, I right? Definitely. Like, I liked a lot of what he was trying to go for and what he was trying to do, and I can really respect yeah. it. But there's like uh, just a, a few mm-hmm. decisions and the way things played out, and even the, the way things played out, just mm-hmm. decisions made within the filmmaking that just didn't pull me in like people thought, like I expected to. It, it could have been yeah. my own blown up expectations for it or whatever. And that was kind of what was. I don't think so. And that was what was kind of like. <laughs> 
also like making me wait a little bit on the Northmen, even though like everything I've seen on it, I'm like, this movie fucking rocks. But like, it fucking rocks, and it has. I mean, it is. It's like a metal video from start to finish, pretty much. There's there's some imagery in that movie where you're like, oh my fucking god. Anyway, the reason I bring it up though is that Bjork plays a witch. And she's fucking amazing, dude. Like the costume they put her in, she's blind and she's in like, she's so terrifying. <laughs> and like, if you know anything about her, terrifying is not really a word that you would apply to Bjork, yeah. you know? But like in this movie, you're like, do not come close to me. <laughs> like you just, you see, you, know. Bjork, you see, Bjork so anyway, it's, uh, you turn around. <laughs> in this, in this outfit, for sure. Most of her outfits are very friendly or interesting enough to want to approach, but not this one. Um, but yeah, no, and you know, I, I you know, I'm kind of making a full circle here um, to something else. I mean, getting off the Bjork track, I just wanted to bring up, you know, like how you never know yeah. when somebody is that experimental that you can actually end up liking a mm-hmm. thing that seems like it sucks on the surface. But uh, so I had a big discovery today, though, going back to the Violent Femmes, uh, you know, version of punk being kind of fun. I found a metal band today that I think is really fun, and they fucking rock. And they're called uh, Rickshaw Billy's Burger Patrol. I cannot say I've ever heard of them before, but this sounds interesting. Right? Rickshaw <laughs> Billy's Burger Patrol. Okay. Okay. They're just... Uh, so I've listened to like 10 songs so far, and they're fun. There's like good dark guitar, good dark rhythmic mm-hmm. metal guitar, but the songs are have a little bit of an upbeat vibe. And so far, I mean, I haven't... I just discovered them like two hours before we started recording. So like, I haven't even really had a chance to dive in and see how positive the music, uh, the lyrics are, but I so far haven't gotten any, you know, crunchy, dirty, negative vibes off of it. It was just all like, wow, this, this is like great. Nice. So highly recommend those guys. And, you know, I think that's kind of what it comes down to. It's like, I, I want to express that I've got some dark feelings going on for sure. 2023 has tested mm. us, but like, I don't want to fall into those feelings. I just did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, so, I think it's what it comes out to, to, before we put a, uh, we move on to comics. I, I will say though, or, you know, if you're, if you're going to check out Orbit culture, it may sound like they're raging, but a lot of their lyrics are about like internal struggles and things like that. So, hmm. you know, it, it yeah. may sound like, you know, they're not like, fuck you uh, against the world. It's, it's more like an internal yeah. situation. Um, which is kind of something I'm more drawn yeah. to for myself. But uh, if you're looking for fun, same. I will, you know, Electric Callboy. Um, electric Callboy. Electric Callboy. Um, they are the definition of like metal to me um, because they incorporate really like just upbeat riffs, rhythmic riffs, dancing. It's a, you, you, you could dance to this shit. Um, but they also have like, you know, the wow. harsher metal vocals, but it's all very rhythmic. It's all very melodic and their songs are very not serious. You know, one's about, one's called, we got the moves and it's about how just like, you know, partying and <laughs> dancing and, and stuff like that. Or one's called pump it. And it's like the videos like them and like eighties leotards acting like a bunch of fools working out and stuff. You know, it's, it's all like. So it's almost like a spiritual successor, a metal spiritual successor, a technotronic. Yeah, yeah kind of like that. <laughs> and, you know, like, what was it? They have one song called Fuck. <laughs> you know? Of you know, course and, they do. And with, with, uh, with a really great uh, female, uh, all-female uh, metal band that like cl- that collabed with them on it and all that. And it's like a kind of call and response type of thing. And um, what was it? another one called Spaceman, which you can figure out what they're... 
it's about a spaceman. So <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's, it's right it's, up my it's, alley, it's, man. It's all, it's all like <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek, but it's really good because I I I reviewed um, their album last year and they had some spots in the album where I'm like, wait, like if this band wanted to get like more mature and serious or at least like less jokey like they all have the chops to do it they have the writing chops to do it because there's some some spots in their albums that are like all right if this if they wanted to like do like a legit earnest you know thing they can do it and you know i wouldn't prize if in the future they did but um but yeah I, I, if you're looking for some fun stuff i'll, I'll, I'll check out uh, uncle billy's rickshaw burger shop was it <laughs> <laughs> I, I, might as well be right uh rickshaw, rickshaw billy's, billy's burger, burger patrol <laughs> uh, I have to write that down. <laughs> and it's uh billy with an ie i mean i'm pretty sure if you type in rickshaw billy yeah, I, I, I would get there it wouldn't be but... too much of a competition for that <laughs> <laughs> 17 bands with rickshaw bill exactly, as the first exactly. prefix of their name exactly. oh my god so, yeah that's the sign of the apocalypse awesome, if that happens awesome, awesome. <laughs> so um um well so I've not to take the segue away from you. I know you're about to segue to comics. Can I ask you real quick? Do you make comics? We just met oh, each other. Yeah, so I don't I'm, know I'm an about. artist. Uh, I, I, I draw, um, I t- currently draw two books. I draw, um, oh, uh, EB oh, and the Helsings, awesome. which is my creator owned book. Uh, my collaborator, Steve Bryant, who's a, he writes it, but he's also an amazing artist in his own, uh, right. He has a long, long running series called Athena Voltaire, which is kind of, a. uh, I'm familiar okay. with that. So um, he's, you know, he, you know, we've, I've known him for a decade now and we were always circling, working together on something as, you know, I went from being absolutely terrible at art to being passable. And then uh, he's, uh, mm-hmm. and he approached me with Evie cause I'm a musician as well. And I, 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 I play music and stuff. And uh, it's, it's uh, Evie and the Helsings is about the last member of the Van Helsings, uh, yeah. inheriting the mantle of being monster hunter number one, but she just wants to, she just wants to rock. She's got her band. She eh. just wants to rock. <laughs> so now she's got to kind of figure out how to way to do it. both. Um, That's a great so pitch. We're, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're, I, we're uh, fulfilling the Kickstarter for the second issue. Now um, I'm going to get started working on the third issue in December. Um, it's, it's just been a, a ton of fun. It's been, it's, it's my current dream book. Oh, it's nice. It's hard not to draw it without a smile on my face, you know, and just in it. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a blast. Um, the other book I'm doing is called spend the night and there I'm more of a, a cog in the wheel, but not in a bad way. Like I'm just, hmm. uh, it's written by, uh, an eighties horror director named Jackie Kong. She did some cult horror movies called like uh, blood diner, the being something like that. But her, her, her big movie is blood diner because hmm. It's got kind of like this Rocky horror cult behind it almost with screenings and got stuff. It, got it. Like she's in Maui right now doing yeah. a charity screening for the fires. Um, oh, cool. And Good for her, man. it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's a fun book to do because I'm, it's, it's hard in a, in the sense that like, I am not the ultimate decider on the, on the imagery, you know, she is because she's right. a very visual person. Um, she's not just a writer, yeah. she's, you know, she's, as a director, she's also a very, I'm sure if she had, if she was able to draw it, she would just draw it herself. Um, but you know, it, it was, it was, you know, we're, work, I'm working on the fourth <clears throat> issue now and it was kind of a long road to getting to a point to where 
because as a person, she's great. Like I, that, she's an amazingly nice person and all that, super generous. But working with her, you know, it was just like we have to like our 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 vibes never really matched. <laughs> like right. if she told me like right. I want something to be really gory and I draw something really gory, she's like, no, that's too much. And I'm like, I okay. But then she tells me to make something a certain way and I do it. She's like, no, not enough. And I'm like, okay, it's just trying to find that like what is our our meeting point yeah. with all that. And I'm, you know, I'm very stubborn. So I'm like, I want to figure this out. Like, because the book in itself, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's its own insane 80s B movie. <laughs> it's about a group of. I'm sensing some yeah, themes yeah. here. It's, 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 <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, it's about uh, a group of girls who have a, who have a sleepover. One of them, uh, this terrible accident happens upon one of them. And in order to save her, they have to call in this like evil spirit from a Ouija board out of, uh, and the Ouija board, uh, the spirit like says, Oh, you girls have to spend the night every night, every weekend for a year. Otherwise I'm going to take all your souls or something like that. And which is, you know, enough of a premise, I guess, to start something. But you know, there's like in the fourth, by the fourth issue, we've already introduced the idea of evil dolls existing, alien space worms that take over your body. And I think you just mean just aliens. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so like, it, it, so, so Jackie's like this, she's just throwing in, like once I started to see, like she's just throwing in everything at the kitchen sink and it's just ridiculous in like the best way. I'm like, okay, I'm got, you know, I'm getting this now. So, you know, uh, so it's, it, it is fun, you know, to work. It's just, it's just fine. It's just knowing it's a different set of muscles for me to, to exercise as an artist. Yeah. And also because, yeah. you know, I'm, I like to spot blacks a lot in my art and ah. for Jackie, she likes the colors shadows. Ah. So it's finding that median of yes. where I can, you know, I'm comfortable with, you know, the amount of black I'm putting down Not that I have to, not, not that it's a real big struggle. It's just like more along the lines of me, like, Oh wait, I think the colors is going to handle this <laughs> sort of, sort of thing. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, and all that. But, uh, again, it's just a different set of muscles and, you know, it's, it's kind of like doing that, that workout that helps out your, your other, uh, your, your, body, but you're not exactly, uh, having the best time while you're doing it. But then we realize it right, makes like everything burpees. else so much easier. Like <laughs> I've definitely, you know, I've definitely yeah. had to like, you know, push myself in different ways, which, you know, in turn makes my work on my other books even better. So, and again, I, yeah, you know it, yeah. it. It's uh my relationship with Jackie. It's great. You know, it's it, she's just very hands on, and that's it. If I didn't have Evie and the yeah. things to work on, where it's basically I draw what I want to draw, and of course Steve will. You know, if I go too far or if I have a, uh, you know, anything uh funky or whatever, Steve will like help me because he's a great artist in himself, and I, you know, obviously I trust his his judgment. That's not really a thing that happens, but like. You know, I have one book where I basically I do what I want to do art wise. Another book where I I have a lot of restrictions, or I have a lot of guidelines. I should say, not restrictions, a lot of guidelines mm -hmm. for things. So it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, this is interesting. You know, and and part of the part of the reason I I'm still you know even with the book too is she's busting her ass to get this book out there. Like she's got it through you know lunar distribution to comic shops and. She's really, it's not just cool. like, oh, I'm doing this vanity project thingy where, you know, 
I can make a comic. What's not harder? You know, no, she, she learned the business. Like she went full in, you know? And so I really respect like the hustle she's for it and all that. And, and all that. So, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a, a, an experience where I'm like, I can be a better artist. If I'm doing this. So I'm doing it. Um, Cool. Yeah, no, it sounds challenging, but I, you know, it's, a it's not, it's, it's, it's definitely, so, it's definitely not faint of heart. Um, other artists I've spoken to about no, my collaboration, they've been like, I would have quit mm-hmm. 15 times. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I said, listen, <laughs> like if I had no other things to work on, if I didn't have my own outlet of free expression, otherwise that was, you know, something I could consistently do with Evie and the Hellsings, I probably would too, because I would not feel fully fulfilled doing this book and I'm in a position to where I no. don't have to feel you know, like this, the art stuff's part-time for me. It's not full-time. So I don't right. have to <laughs> do this. So yeah, I can relate to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I actually have a two part response to that, which one was uh, part of the segue mm-hmm. I was going to make, which is that when you make your comics, do you make playlists so you can listen to the right mood and, you know, right rhythms uh, for your story that you're working on. And then the B side of that question is because you're working on such eighties fair, such B movie flavor. Are you like on freebie all the time on Amazon, <laughs> like watching like all the shit B and C movies close, that they have there close. that you're like, Oh, you know what? This was at the video store. When I was a kid. I remember seeing the cover. That's I got to check this out. Finally. Very, okay, go ahead. You're <laughs> very close to that. What I do watch a lot of, is the dead meat channel YouTube. on youtube and they okay i'm not um, familiar with them they're a, like probably i think probably the most popular horror channel on youtube they do these things called kill counts interesting where they'll okay oh like kill counts and yeah horror movies. so they'll so, so they'll go through movies yeah. they'll do kill counts but you know also the hosts it is very engaging this it, there's there's funny like bits they do they they talk about the movies and they talk about behind the scenes stuff and all that and the host was actually, they've gotten so big, they were actually in, not the most recent one, but the one before it, Scream Movies. They were, they had a little cameo in the, in the, in Scream as like internet commenters <laughs> about a thing. Oh, wow. That's fun. Uh, well, that fits yeah. in, that fits into the whole thing. They've done yeah, stuff like that and, and, throughout the whole they, series, they, right? They have, they have like a deep love for, for horror movies and stuff like that. And it really shows and it's, it's all done. And, and they've, they've done the gamut of like, you know, the prestige horror movies, but they've also done the really schlocky, terrible things. You know, they've done Critters franchise. They've done Tremors. They've done, you know, all the major franchises you can think of. And it, that's, that's been, that's on there. And there's also another channel called good, bad flicks, which isn't necessarily a kill count, but this guy, he, he basically, he, he just talks about, you know, unknown or just like, good, bad flicks, you know, or sometimes just bad yeah. flicks, yeah. <laughs> just bad, bad ones, but he'll bring up like, I got one said, for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry. But yeah, that's, that's, I, you know, one of those are two of the channels that I've, I kind of took a, a deep dive into when I started working on this, not intentionally, it just kind of happened. Um, and in terms of playlists, you know, as much as I love music, I tend not to listen to a lot of music anymore when I'm working just because me neither. It's sad, right? <laughs> For me, a lot of it is just the fact that, you know, I, I don't have like the largest chunk of time to, to draw during the day. 
my largest chunk of time That's is tough, about yeah. two hours in the morning after I drop my son off at preschool before I have to go pick him up. And that's two hours. And, yeah. you know, and usually by, and my wife works remotely. She's literally like, you know, during the day, she's literally like four feet from my, from me. So usually like we're both just got whatever, you know, YouTube channels we're watching or have on in the background and we're chit chatting or something. Right. Um, yeah. And then, cause I used to do playlists. I used to do it a lot before we had kids. Um, but it's something I want to get back to. Uh, my son is supposed to be going to kindergarten next fall. So then I will have, you know, when that happens, I will have literally like the most amount of time I've ever had day to day to work <laughs> on, on art. Awesome. You know, yeah. roughly six hours a day, yeah. which is like, you know, for some people are like six hours, like that's half my day of art or whatever. I'm like, for me, yeah. that's like yeah. a four times. That's, that's like, I added it up actually based on the stuff I have to do. I, I'm basically be increasing the amount of time I, I have to work by like almost tenfold. And it's just like, Wow. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to that. So, cause I can, cause then I can start doing those things where I'm like, I'm going to have a playlist going. And I'm just going to get sucked into music and just, and just go, because I love yeah. doing that. And it's cause I did yeah. notice that there, there was a trend, like whenever I was drawing, like, you know, fight scenes or like the rough or like, you know, intense, you know, horror stuff or whatever, I'm listening to like, the the softest stuff I, I, I like to but when i'm like you know uh laying out or or inking like you know talking pages or you know more more basic things that's when i got the metal going and stuff like that so it's well yeah because that's you know you know paul pope yeah, is yeah paul pope says inking is the cut wood carry water part of the job and I think that's why like hard music, I listen to like hard dubstep mm-hmm. sometimes or metal, like really loud when I'm inking, because it's like that. I don't know. I, there's just something about that where it's like, you got to be precise and you have to keep moving. Yeah. Right. I, I feel like that's, I, I see why your brain does the contrast of tones yeah. in that case. You know, it's like, I didn't even think about that for myself until you said it. And I was like, that's right. I am always like jamming like a pretty intense, drum and bass DJ mix or something like that when I'm doing, you know, long periods of ink work. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's, 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 so, yeah, it's definitely yeah. getting that, that frame of mind. And I even, you know, I even have like seasonal things. Like if it's, you know, early spring or beginning of fall and at night, like for some reason to me, that just screams like synth wave time when it's like crisp mm-hmm. air in the outside, you know, I can open my window. It's, I get some like cool breezes coming in or whatever. And it's night and it's kind of quieter. For some reason, my brain just goes, it's time for some synth wave. It's time for some John Carpenter. Oh, I guess John Carpenter stuff makes sense. But some John John Carpenter soundtracks. Yeah. It's time for, you know, <laughs> it, it's time for that stuff. Yeah. Um, I've got, uh, I've got four John Carpenter songs on my, my, I have a sci-fi mm-hmm. flow playlist, you know, that I just, it's like for all my comics kind of, and there's at least four Carpenters on there, like Escape mm-hmm. from New York, uh, Assault on Precinct 13 theme, those mm-hmm. two forget what the other ones are but yeah the guy it's crazy because i remember as a kid people would be like yeah he writes his own music it gets his kid you know people kind of like talk down about the music that he'd make for his movies but like the stuff is amazing it it, it is arguably like more influential as a whole than his movies have been like if you talk to a lot of musicians they'll bring up his his work and it's just like yeah, it's 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 crazy, and it's you know it's so now he makes you know those lost themes albums with his son, you know, 
And that's, yeah. Well, that's what he's been doing for like the yeah, last 20 yeah. years, right? He hasn't made a movie in almost 20 years. So it's like, maybe it's 15 years, but still, I mean, he's just now making the big circle back, but he's like toured with his music. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, and, you know it, that's definitely so. one of those things. If he ever does that again, which I probably won't, but if he ever does, like, I got to be there. Like, yeah. I got to get there and do that and see that. Well, I got to tell you, I'm about to oh, make you jealous man. because <laughs> you know, he's got the comic book company, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Storm King. And so they're always at San Diego Comic-Con and other big conventions. I've met his wife okay. four times, but I keep missing him. It's so frustrating because I'm always at my table. I can't like wait at somebody's table. I have to go run yeah. my booth. But it, I mean, I've had, I've had so many close calls where they're, they're literally like, he just left or he'll be here in 10 minutes. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's going to happen. I mean, so far, I've met Keith David, oh, man, who's a nice. John Carpenter actor, and I've met and I've met James oh, Hong. Oh yeah, David Lopan. Yes, yes. <laughs> so like I'm I'm getting closer, like <laughs> through the comic book like, convention I'm not, world. I'm not a, a huge like. Oh man, I'd love to meet these celebrities. Like you just listed like like two of like the very few amount of people that I would be like geeking out about. Yeah, those guys, those guys are not celebrities. They're exactly. legends. It's a totally they, they different are, thing. <laughs> like they are. Uh, Keith David walked by me and I almost, I was like, wow, I'm intensely nervous to try to talk to this guy right now because like, he's just is one of the few people I put on a pedestal. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and it's just like, oof. yeah, I would, I would just be like a ball of sweat just even trying to like say anything, but I would have to, especially James Hong and yeah, just, yeah. you know, just, just for yeah. low pan alone, but he's been, he's been amazing for he, literally everything. <laughs> he's a, He's in everything. The guy is in like 250 yeah. movies. It's insane. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, the, I mean the comic book convention scene is so good for stuff like yeah. that. But anyway, it's a separate, well, I, I, <laughs> separate I, I conversation hope, for another episode. I'm sure it happens for you. You get to meet him, and you get the, going to keep yeah. an eye out. Yeah, for sure. I, I just started uh, bringing a helper for okay. my table. So now I can actually like have some flexibility and I'm going to start targeting more stuff like that. You know, like this year was more about like, finally talking to bill sinkovich for a little while like people that i like want to connect to as yeah. artists first and foremost you know carpenter is one of those things where it's like definitely as an artist i want to connect to that guy but it, i it also again it transcends a little bit where it'd be i would be a little bit nervous, yeah i mean you how know? do you so and, uh, you know the, the thing the thing too is like his his like sense of humor is so dry that well, and his reputation precedes yeah, him. Yeah, so like you, he'll 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 cut yeah, you in half. And it's like, <laughs> so. then like any you know, anytime I've ever read about someone who's like met him as a fan or whatever, or been like, he's like the nicest dude, and it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, he just doesn't like people giving him shit because people talk shit to him like in the industry all the time. Like recently, he just recently told like a major studio or some I can't remember exactly what this thing was, but he literally was like, "Fuck you." Like just literally came out like, "I don't give a fuck what you say to me because I'm John fucking Carpenter." <laughs> Look at my middle name. It's fucking, <laughs> you know, like, it's just, I don't know. Like the guy just, he doesn't have to give a fuck. And like every time Hollywood tries to make him reprove himself, he does it with flying colors, but then he just got tired of it. I don't no, blame him. I, I not, and you I don't know. know. Like I, it's gotten to a point to where like I've several times in the past couple of weeks, I, 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 I know exactly the interview you're talking about. I've almost felt like just like, I, I doubt he would even see it, but like, tweeting at him and saying, Hey, I would love to have you on my podcast. I promise I won't ask you about anything, but synth way synth synths and, yeah. and video games. 
Uh, let's talk off air. I think, I think that I can lead you in the right direction for that. Um, cause I think he would do it. I don't know how to get to him. I would not, he, if I were to reach out, the reason I'm saying this listener is not like, Hey, we're going to have a private conversation. This is an A, a and B conversation. Why don't you see your way out of this listener? Um, no, it's more like, I know people who know him. I just, I would not ever try because I have no fucking reason, except I'm a huge science fiction fan. Mm. And of course he's had a massive influence on me because he bare bones is his science fiction, which is the way to fucking do it. Yeah. But like, anyway, yeah. well, would, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a tangent. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about <laughs> when it comes to celebrities or big names or whatever. There's, there's a, like a handful of people where I'm like, I really wish I could make a concerted effort to get them on the show. You know, and he's definitely, he's definitely one of them, you know, like, like the only other bigger one, not even bigger. The only other name of that stature I could think of off the top of my head right now is like Kirk Hammett. <laughs> Cause he's a big fucking geek, just like us, and you know, which band is he from? I oh, recognize that. Metallica. <laughs> Metallica. Okay. Yeah. Band. Sorry. I, I, yeah. So that's, but that's how, but that's the thing is I am a very late bloomer with metal in the sense that like, well, I, I know those guys, but Kirk, Kirk is the one that I don't know. He's not like, I don't immediately like James Hetfield was just on smartless, right. Or Lars was both of them have been on smartless, the Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, Sean Hayes podcast. That's super popular. So like two of those guys have been on a podcast recently and I've heard them talking about, cause they just had an album drop too. So I, you know, I just, for some reason you said that name and I was like, I know, I know that name. Why do I I know that name? But I I have to hear him on the podcast because you know, you did mention the Megadeth and Dave, Dave, you know, still sore about Kirk replacing him. (laughs) Anyway, 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 that's, that's, that's besides the point. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I've always been really bad. Like I can tell you all kinds of stuff about people who created comics and made films, but I can't tell you shit about musicians. It's amazing how little trivia, or information I have sought out about musicians and music. I like, I've had people tell me, dude, you come alive when the music turns on, <laughs> like when I'm out dancing or something. And I love music. I absolutely love to be influenced by it, but I don't dig mm-hmm. into it. And I, I just find that to be an interesting blind spot for yeah. myself, you know? Anyway, sorry. Tangent. I'm a tangent guy. Have you noticed? Well, I, <laughs> I definitely come from the, you know, uh, you, you mentioned we might be around the same. I'm 41. So like I come from behind the music pop-up video on VH1 Mm -hmm. and all that. So, you know, for me me in my particular brain chemistry, that was like, yes, give me, give me this useless information that I will remember, but I can't remember my mom's birthday. Um, (laughs) I do now. I do remember Um, my mom's birthday but for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, I know what you mean exactly. You're you're safe. You're safe. This is a safe space. This is your podcast. You're fine. Um, the I I don't know what it is about that. Like cause I I definitely grew out like when I you know I guess one of the reasons I'm apologetic or self conscious about Color Me Bad era is that that is when I was incredibly invested in music and watched VH1 and MTV ad nauseum. And then I think it's honestly I think it's when comics took over. You know, like I was out by the time because I'm four years older than you, so I think I just missed enough information about cool bands <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean because i had already checked out to focus you know more specifically i think on filmmaking actually mm-hmm. and comics but I, I had a huge film geek like i spent so much time watching really three movies a day every single day i mean the 90s years. were great like, the 90s were like, like a great breeding ground for up-and-coming filmmakers like because you were getting these dude, these independent yeah. guys coming up and like just making like these huge huge 
influential films and like that could be me mm-hmm. and then it and then just a lot of the mystique behind a lot of this stuff was starting to unravel and you're like oh mm-hmm. like you know people are talking about like how to make a movie and how to how to do this and how to do that and you yeah. know yeah i think with with comics you know that that didn't really happen until i want to say like the two the late 2000s 2010s when people really started like no here's how you just like just do this just do this because like, there's there's still that mystique about everything hmm. uh, at least at least at least in my, in, in my opinion because yeah in the 90s you had like the image guys were pretty open about like oh let's take a tour of our studio and all that but that like such a rare thing yeah you know but now you have like with the advent of social media you have like amazing longtime creators like phil hester and like that talking about their experiences like this is what we did when you know and they're just open books about how to make things and um i didn't even know he had i didn't know phil was doing well i mean you know i i I, I, I honestly i've followed phil on twitter for probably as long as i've been on twitter which is way too long um but but you know he's 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 always been like open book about like oh you know you know we used to do this or this deadline was tough or you know, and getting to know hmm. actual professionals and hearing them talk openly about like the, you know, the difficulties. Oh, okay. of things. I see what yeah, you're saying. You're, you're hearing okay. about yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're no, hearing no, no. how the sausage is made. Yeah. And I thought when you said people weren't really talking about, cause I was equating it to like Robert Rodriguez talking, like writing his book rebel without a crew, that era of like talking about making films. I was thinking, what you were saying to me was equating with that. So I was like, no, Scott McCloud yeah. understanding comics in the nineties. So I'm not, I was like trying to piece together the arc that yeah, you were yes. talking about, but now I'm seeing what you're saying, which is the, it's the behind the scenes, like pulling back the curtain of a very, let's just say it bluntly. I'm sure you've said it before with other guests, a very difficult, difficult job mm-hmm. in a very complicated, unruly and sometimes unprofessional industry. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it, and, it's it's you know, and you're not you know, you're you're not far removed from me, where we kind of had a lot of the no, same no, no, milestone no. or a lot of the touchstones of like, oh, this is happening now, this is happening now, this is happening now, and like, you know, yeah. I I I got into comics like just after the image boom happened, like I I think I started uh, buying like, let's say like almost a year after everything really hit because I remember I was still able to get like the first issues of a lot of series, but like uh, yeah. some of the series that came out that were like the mini series first, like Savage Dragon or Cyber Force or whatever. I couldn't get those cause those were already ridiculously expensive. Um, so huh. didn't they print like a million copies? Yeah, of everything? But everything was fucking like, you know, ridiculously expensive for a kid. I you guess. Know. Oh, so this is probably, this is probably before the speculator. Yeah, crash, it was before the crash. It, it was before the crash. Like I, I got okay. I got yeah, out yeah, of yeah. comics uh, the first time. I want to say around ninety eight, ninety nine. Um, when okay. everything, when like Marvel filed for you know filed for bankruptcy, like I just wasn't really enjoying yeah. what I was reading. I was just buying endless amounts of comics and just like not. After I think I think the the fourth week of me realizing like I had not read any of the comics I bought in a month. And yeah. I was spending yeah. like every dime I had on them. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I guess I don't like this anymore. Like, you know, I just, I had to put it down and that's where I discovered music and stuff like that. And then, 
And then I got back to comics and I realized like, oh no, I still love comics. I just didn't love the comics I was reading. Um, so, yeah. you know. Well, corporate corporate bullshit is bad no matter what form it takes. If it's movies or music or yeah. comics, it's like you just can see it. It's all over like the cover of the book. If you really just take a moment to look at, you know, with with the scales falling from your eyes and be like, oh, this is yeah. trash. Yeah. Like I need to go buy some Eric Powell or some Paul Pope. Or some Mobius, you know, like I need to get something that has some you dignity know, and, and, to and it. Here's, and, and, and the like, thing was, like, I I realized now that I was aware of those things existing. I I just wasn't there yet. I wasn't there where I would be enjoying those things. Yeah. And you know, I will. I've said this before, I, and I don't mind saying it a million times. We three is the book that got me back into comics. That oh, because it is it is dude. the perfect distillation to me of like what a comic book can do. You know, you got two yeah. masters of the craft just doing it and a story that like it was the first time a comic made me fucking cry and i'm like holy shit it hits every note yeah. man and by the way guardians of the galaxy 3 borrowed a lot right i mean there 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 was you know there's a lot of influence not plot I, stuff i not like details influence. yeah but, but vibes, yeah, the vibes vibes definitely vibes yeah had to be yeah. pulled from yeah. from from that you know and i recognized yeah. that immediately and it was fine because you know it was I enjoyed the movie. It's yeah. a great story. But, Why not? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I am definitely like one of those people who are like, I would love to see like a an ad, adaptation of that series, but I also would not. I would be absolutely devastated if it was terrible. <laughs> Did you read Why the Last Man? I have not, and I've heard enough about it to where like I, this is probably my jam, but I also know I'm going to be fucking wrecked at the end of it. <laughs> Uh, yes, you will fucking cry. That book shredded me. I read it twice all the way through both times. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go through yeah. this again. Um, uh, but don't. So it, when you do read it, do not give the show a second of okay. a chance. It is one of the worst adaptations of a comic. It like completely misses the tone. I mean, talk about rage. The comic has no rage whatsoever in it. It's one of the things I like about a post-apocalyptic, you know, wanderlust experience that it is. It's like not angry about the downfall of society in a way that you it makes you have affection for the characters. And the show is like, fuck everything, you know? And I'm like, Oh <laughs> well, <thank> uh, you. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm done with this show after three episodes. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. It's, there's a lot of special books out there. And I, and I do think that I, I think even right now there's books I'm not ready for. I've got a couple of huge books that I have not read, like the sculptor by Scott McCloud. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> And I know it's like, it's a 500 page book and I do not have the time to immerse in it. And and I'm one of those people, like if I can't immerse, then I'm, I'm going to avoid the thing until I just have the yeah, moment, yeah. you know, which sucks. That's a terrible habit sometimes. But you know, when it comes to like, I really want to be moved by a thing. I don't want it to be chopped up into a thousand little pieces over six months, one, you know? Yeah. 1000%. So, and that, just, that is definitely one of the things makes sense. that like, again, you know, I, I, I feel like my brain's hinging a lot on the fact that like when my kid is actually in kindergarten, cause I'll have more time to work during the day, which means at night, you know, aside from doing podcast stuff, like I won't be as, um, under the gun to like spend hours drawing to try to get stuff done. Like I can go right. read, sit down and read and not feel yeah. like I'm, I'm like guilty because not working on a thing. And I'm looking so looking yeah. for, I have so many books. Like I need to like read that. I've just been, that just been, you know, like, uh, you know, I did take some time to read a few, like I wanted to really wanted to read the last Ronin 
that Ninja Turtles book. Yeah, I want to read um, that it was, too. It was, it was excellent. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I took the time to read it. Um, but <clears> even then, I still kind of felt like rushing through it, trying to make sure I finished it before something came up and I had to s- devote my time to doing that. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. I still have not finished Invincible, the series. I have all the hardcovers. There's mm. like the last three I've not read yet because I just, I want to sit down I mean, and I want to enjoy <laughs> yeah. the ending. Yeah, I want to enjoy the series. Uh, and I want to enjoy it. And yeah. I'm watching the, you know, the, the animated show that's, that's coming out. I mean, and it's all rage of course, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah, well, but that's kind of a, that's kind yeah, of that story it's, it's, in a way. You know, I mean, it's kind of like dealing with rage. Like how do you deal with that? But anyway, well, and, and I want to clarify, I don't have a problem with rage. I just, it's just, I don't want to be a wash. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to deal with yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like there's gotta be a healthy expression of, I mean, that movie, the Northman, by the way, oh, yeah, there's yeah, some definite yeah. fucking expression no, yeah. of rage in that movie. And it really works for the character. You know, I just, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, 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 we're I all, you know, we're all yeah, sensitive in different ways yeah. that your, 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 uh, rage, um, I'm not <laughs> fragile. <laughs> rage. It's just like, how are you, how is it being yeah. presented? How is it being used in the story? Is it, Yeah. you know, cause you know, rage is awesome when it's used in the story. It's not awesome when it is the story. <laughs> not, all exactly. the time, not all the time. Cause I'm sure there's exactly, I'm, I'm pretty sure one could classify the first John wick movie as just rage. <laughs> There are definite moments of rage in that, but there's also, I don't know, there's something else. There's, I mean, there's a, there's the, uh, the, well, cause there's, I guess rage is just an extension of the grief cycle. It, it, of it, anger it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a melancholic rage. If you want it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've been, we've been dancing yeah. around it. Um, you know, you're the, the stories you like, the stories you like to make. So you want, know let's, let's just jump right into it. Let's, let's jump in to your new project. Let's jump into right. Monkey Gong and the subscription and all the cool stuff. You sent me some PDFs of some of the stuff, and I, I you know, I didn't have a, the time to like read them before. I should have asked you to send them earlier. My, that, that's my bad. Um, but even looking through them, I'm like, this looks really cool. I really like the variety of things you have here. And um, I, I do. I have some questions for you and all that. But you know, for everyone listening, what is Monkey Gong? Monkey Gong is my label for self-publishing comics, and it really just refers to my my primal voice, my monkey, my primal alarm, my monkey gong is going off inside telling me to, you know, tell these stories before it's too late, speak up about all the bullshit in the world before it's too late, yada, 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 you know. And I'm, I'm only yada, yada uh, not for you, but because I repeat myself a million times <laughs> with this, uh, because I chose a name that is, it requires explanation. But uh but it's one of those things like it was a, it was a word that meant nothing. And then it, it came to mean something. And as soon as it came to mean something and I had decided to exclusively focus on science fiction, because that's the only type of storytelling, not the only, but it's one of the most powerful formats of storytelling, I think, because it just is so uh, readily open to having themes placed within it and, and making reflections and comments and things like that, you know? Um, so monkey gong took on a meaning. And so that became my company name and I've been pushing it for, I think 2004 is the first time I ever put out a book that had the Monkey Gong label on it. And, uh, you know, slowly over the years have self-published a handful of books here and there. And then 2017 or so, I got very serious about actually trying to make it a singular uh, science fiction universe that's all connected um, in terms of chronology or, you know, a, you know, influencing timelines and Easter eggs and things like that. Um so that's what Monkey Gong is. And, 
you know, I've got a handful of titles that are already out, such as Sojourners, which is about super smart space monkeys who uh, are tasked to save us from climate catastrophe, but they're from the future. And we're in the past about to go through this catastrophe and they have to figure out how to get back to us. Only nobody's ever traveled through time. Uh, however, then I also have a time travel story called The Adventures of Dr. Cotton Hickox. Um, and I may or may not connect the two things. I know I want those things to play together, but I, I don't want him to be the easy solution for the monkeys. I've been, I've been thinking about this for weeks and I figure it's probably going to be an obvious thing that somebody's going to ask at some point. So I might as well just say, I'm not going to choose the obvious path, damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I have a book called Technopolis, which is about a sad little kid with a jetpack in a dystopia who's learning the meaning of the word dystopia. <laughs> so it's uh, it's all about kind of broken family and, you know, trying to, I guess, uh, you know, have the emotional reconnection of the family, even if you can't have the physical reconnection of the family. So the kid is sad, you know, he's just going through a tough time with his family. And, it's, I, you know, these are all science fiction stories where they all have a little bit of pathos you know, or ethos, depending on the story, I suppose. Um, and that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, what I'm going for, everything we've been talking about with music and even coffee and cultivation of ideas and stuff. And it's all pouring into this for me. Um, and now that I've developed the universe enough, I'm doing the, the monkey gong comics club, which is a monthly subscription where you get a book, a print and a sticker or a pin, depending on your preference every month for a minimum of 20 bucks. But there are also higher tiers such as in crowdfunding where you can get extra rewards, original art, etc. Um, there's also a digital tier, which is right now only three bucks and all those prices go up at the end of the year. So I'm hoping to get at least a hundred subscribers before I have to raise the prices on you. But uh, everybody who subscribes before the end of the year keeps their original price. Nice. So that in a nutshell is what I'm working on. Um, so please feel free to ask me any questions if I didn't cover. Oh, yeah, that was that's a very, uh, very clean, thorough presentation <laughs> of everything you have in the offer. Um, all I can offer I surprised even all myself I can offer, uh, to the <laughs> listeners right now is my commentary on that. I've seen previews of the books. They look great. I really like the, the variety of the stories you have to offer here. Um, it really speaks to my own, you know, my own brain and my own, uh, you know, creative side of myself where it's like, I would, I want to do a little bit of everything, <laughs> you know, and you're you mm -hmm. know, granted it's under the big banner of sci-fi, but you know, like metal, like just any good genre in particular, like you can do so much just under that genre, under that, under that banner. Um, you know, especially mm -hmm. with, you know, like just, just, just the difference between, you know, sojourners and uh, technopolis, techno, Technopolis, Technopolis, Technopolis. You had it right. Um, yeah. Just like just in the in this just in the general vibes of the previews I read, like it's you know one feels like a fun exploration, you know, almost like a Star Trek ish type book, and the mm -hmm. other one feels a very of age, you know, uh, not not like an all ages thing, but like just you know adventure in terms of like action and just, you know, just kind of throwing, being thrown right into things. And it's, it's really cool. It's, it's really, uh, uh, I think speaks, you know, speaks very clearly to your, your dedication as a, as a writer and as, as an artist and, um, is, is being, you know, the sole writer artist, is that something that you've always gravitated towards or is that just kind of like, I have these ideas. It's, you know, and I just, 
I just have to do them myself. <laughs> I mean, there's less of column B than I probably uh, sarcastically would say. Like, I don't get along. I don't play with others, but it's not true. I do. I, I can collaborate. I just don't really like to. Like the whole situation you yeah. were describing with your writer who's in Maui, you've had to really work yourself to find a happy medium, you know? And, and I've never... Not never, but it's been very difficult for me to do that in the past. And every single time I get done with it, whether it's successful or not, I'm just kind of like, I don't really want to do that again. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't want to retrain because there's a certain amount of training of each other that you have to do when you collaborate, you know, and it's, that's really tough unless you just absolutely yeah. match uh, or, or, or contrast in complementary ways, you know, because sometimes that is yeah. the case. Um, and I'm very open to that. I'm right. You know, I'm like working with a publisher right now, but right in that case, I'm writing and drawing everything. So it doesn't really matter, but, uh, I don't know. I, I really do. I've had these, a lot of these stories kind of rumbling around for, you know, a couple of decades in, in some cases, uh, and certain ideas speak to me and I want to explore them. And I don't find that it, like trying to explain my ideas to someone else is going to necessarily get me where I want to go with my own exploration. Um, I have a couple things that like I talked to um, a writer friend that I'm drawing a story for uh, one of the few scripts from someone else. I'm going to probably publish myself actually, but I have a, a supernatural Western and I could totally write it myself. I really want to, there's a whole bunch of dead dad stuff and I'm, I'm dealing with that a little bit. I mean, I'm a year out from it. So it's not a big deal uh, as far as, you know, life emergencies, but it's definitely a thing you deal with the rest yeah. of your life, you know? And like, so I'm, I'm feeding that into this Western, um, you know, where this, this guy is haunted by the ghost of his dead dad. <laughs> and it's just like his dead dad just won't leave him alone. And it's just this interesting tale that I really want to follow. But at the same time, because it's a supernatural Western and I'm already, as you can see, writing all this other stuff. I was like, well, it's Western supernatural Western is adjacent to the science fiction universe. So why wouldn't I offer the, the exact proper writer? Like this writer would be the perfect person mm -hmm. to basically give me like a weird mystical edge to some of the stuff in my supernatural Western. And I only did that because I'm like, that's just for flavor. It's not because I can't, not that I feel like I'm being interrogated as to whether I can, but it's just like, you know, I just, it just felt appropriate yeah, yeah. to offer it to him. I was like, this, this could be fucking cool. Like, cause the story that I'm drawing for him, it's one of those stories. I was like, yes, yes. Thank you. I will. I would love to draw this. But as soon as I had the script in my hands, I was like, I want to draw this. Yeah. So very, almost nobody has ever made me feel that That's way. Awesome. I've worked with yeah. a dozen writers yeah. at least. Right. So cool. it's one of those things like he's my Grant okay. Morrison in a way, like he, he's got that level of an imagination. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And, so. and I, I said, that's awesome. Uh, poorly timed. That's awesome. Not that you've had, had, had that experience until now, but it's awesome. You have that experience now and you have that, that collaborator yeah, cool. that, you know, just, you just gel with, you know, I've, I've been, yeah, you know, and I think for, for me, my, my perspective of, you know, what I've been doing and the, the situation I described earlier, I've been just like stupidly blessed with amazing collaborators. You know, I can't think of, Good. I can think of, you know, one or two instances where someone, a, a collaborator, you know, asked me to adjust something or change something and they weren't wrong. You know, you know, I, I certainly right. don't have an ego about my own work in, in the, in the fact that like, I feel like what I do is perfection. You know, I definitely am like, if you've, mm -hmm. you know. You know, even if it's something as low as like, Hey, that hand looks kind of funky. Let me know. Like, I don't want to put something bad out there. 
you know, if, if it looks, doesn't look right to you, like hit me up or if like, but I'm also very like, yeah. you know, I feel like, a, a as an artist, you know, my bigger, my biggest strength is storytelling. And so I feel like that's why I think I get along well with a lot of different writers because, you know, the storytelling is there, you know, even if my draft ship skills over the years have weren't always better than you know someone else they could have chosen i you know i was able to tell the story and have it be you know have it come through the way it needs to come through and uh so you know i not sure exactly where my brain was going with (laughs) with this comment but like um (laughs) just just that you know i was i was going to ask if like if you've never had like the the like while we are on the same page kind of connection with the writer before, but now it sounds like you do. It sounds like you've had someone who's, you know, yes, but um, there's a caveat here. Okay. So the caveat is he handed me the script and said, go with God. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like I, I came back to him with a couple of notes uh, once and then he made some very small changes. And then I just came back to him with one, one final note recently for the turn of the story. And he was like, Oh, I fully agree. Let's totally do your mm-hmm. idea. And that was yeah. it. And like, we have not spoken about it. I've only shown him sketches and have him say, well, those are awesome. I can't wait to see this guy in action. Yeah. You know, it's a very satirical science fiction story. And the, the character is such a fucking pathetic <laughs> wannabe alpha male that it's really, I cannot wait to draw this character. He's gonna be so funny. Um, and that's, that's one of those things is like, it's more like, it's like Ed Newmeyer, the guy who wrote RoboCop and Starship Troopers for, and Total yeah. Recall, um, co- co-writer, I think, in a couple of cases, but very satirical, snarky, social commentary, science fiction mm-hmm. writer, you know, and like that, I, I hate to admit it, but it is, honestly, RoboCop is such a singular influence on my perspective as far as like the slight cynicism mm-hmm. in its tone is so appropriate for the society that we live in. And it is one of the best satires I've ever seen. And people actually understand it, which is something that satire can't say for itself in America yeah. most of the time. So, you know, it's just like, uh, that's basically what the script was when, when he handed it to me. And that's never happened to me before. And uh, I guess it just happened to me twice in a way with two mm-hmm. different writers. But it's, it's in both cases, they're so hands off. Mm-hmm. And that's why yeah. it works. And I don't want to like say that it has anything to do with me per se. I don't. I think there's just a breed of writer out there who's like, I wrote the thing, see what you can do with well, it. Let me no, know what happens. 100%. And that is a huge contributing factor to my positive experience with, with, with writers. Um, more, you okay. know, they, you know, they give the script, even, even with, even with Steve Bryant on, on EB and the Helsings, he'll give me, idea, he'll like write down his idea for like the angle of the panel or whatever. But in the end, he's always like, do, do what you think's best. You know, and mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I'm, you know, and especially when it comes to like fight scenes and stuff, you know, he's just like, here's where it starts. Here's where it ends. What happens in the middle? That's up to you. Like that's, you know, draw what you want to draw. Yeah. And I think that's what has yeah. to happen personally. Cause like I've tried to work with writers who are like panel one medium shot from, you know, from below, yeah. like, you know, a lock of hair falls. It's like, no dude, this is not how you write a fucking comic script. Don't, don't try to be yeah. Alan Moore. I get, that that worked for him. But even then, even then, it's also just wanted to anyway. Half the time. Well, yes and no, but there, he had to do a lot of corrections to go back and put some of those details in though, that are in that dense script. So 
it's one of those things though, but it, it becomes so fucking tiresome mm-hmm. where you're just like, can't, this needs to breathe. Just let it breathe. And if we really have to add something, we can make corrections, but like, there's gotta be some medium there where there's enough freedom. Like I like the limits of an idea. I don't want all f- like full freedom because full freedom is like, well, where do we start or where do we end? We need to know that, you know, but like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I get a little frustrated with the, just the rigmarole of collaboration to the point that I, I've recently just kind of gotten done with it. And like the only people I'm working with are these people who are like, you can publish my script, please draw it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, it's such a different setup than me going, sir, can you please pay me? Or madam, can you please pay me to draw your story? It's, it's just such a different vibe from the start. You know, I think it's, you know, that's, it's not a, it's not a, that's the thing. It's, it's not a bad thing to feel that way because you know there is a definite like prevailing feeling like we all got to collaborate we're all in this together we're all like trying to do this you know and if someone's going to come come along and say like no i just prefer to just do my own like you know i've i've seen people comment privately about folks who have said that before or or seem to only work that way and it becomes like is this person like being antisocial or they're not you know supportive of other creators or you know they're 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 got an ego about them and thankfully it, it immediately gets shut down by other people but it's just like you know yeah. no that that's just creative you know they they don't want to yeah. they have their idea they want to do it themselves and, you know, it just comes, there's a, such a thing as an yeah, auteur, I, I've, I've, you know, yes, we can all be in this together, but there's also auteurs who just do their own fucking thing. Cause they have really strong ideas. Yeah, you know? I, you know, I, so. I have a couple of writer buddies, uh, who have not necessarily, you know, uh, complained about that kind of idea or that kind of artist, but, you know, have kind of been like, you know, Oh, it's difficult to find, you know, the, you know, it's, it's difficult when, you know, to, to find someone, you know, that it has like that, that person's level of things or, 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 and, and work with them and, and, and do these things. And, you know, or I could, you know, I have a story that's such so, so perfect for them and they, they just won't jump on it or whatever. And it's like, if they won't jump on it, then it's not perfect. For them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's sort of like trying to date somebody who doesn't want you know, to date and, you. Like it just doesn't, it's yeah, not meant to you know, be, you know, like, and, not gonna I, happen. and I've told them, like, like, listen, listen, I'm nobody, you know, I love working with other people yeah. collaborating. It's incredibly fun for me. Um, 99.9% of the time, you know, but there's definitely stories I have to where I'm like, no one else is fucking touching this. This is all me. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, and not to generalize against writers in general, because most writers I know are extremely uh, generous and giving to their ideas and what, you know, what they talk to, you know, how, what they expect from artists. But I have seen, you know, kind of just like the, you know, artists can write, writers can't always draw. And granted, mm-hmm. there's plenty of artists who say, I'm going to, I can write and no, they can't, <laughs> you know, no, they can't look at those, those image books we were just yeah. talking about. Only and, a few of those and, are readable. And, so. you know? <laughs> and even at the very least, there's like definitely stories where I'm like, I, I know I'm going to do this myself, but I am not so like, like I'm definitely probably going to be like finding a 
sounding board from writers I know whose voices I trust, who I feel like you say could mm-hmm. add could have have the uh, the the mojo in things where I don't, you know. And that's mm-hmm. and that's also where I find like I have the I have my most fun with collaborators. Um, again, to take it back to Steve, like I'm an idea guy. Like I will come at you with 15 different ideas for scenes and stuff like that. It's all the shit in between that, that just, you know, mm. can stall me out. Like I, I've numerous times at this point with, with Evie in the health things I've given Steve, like here, I, you know, he sends me the script. I'm like, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but can we do this? And then like immediately Steve will reply like, Oh, we can do this. We'll have this happen here. This happen. And I'm like, Oh geez, like that's so fucking simple. I didn't think about that. Like <laughs> he's sorry. He sounds like he's really good at the yeah, logic yeah. side of it. He's, he's, you know, and so it's like finding, you know, so, you know, finding people who can, you know, who are, you know, uh, strong and where you're, when, when you, where you're got work to do, you know, and, uh, and all that. And, um, do you have anyone you kind of like bounce your, do you have like an editor type friend or anything like that you kind of like bounce yourself off on or, you know, not that you have that, but, or, or do you just kind of like, no, I know <laughs> I, I, I trust myself. I trust my own inner critic. I, I wish it was less, I wish it was less of the latter. I do. I trust myself probably too much, especially right now where I'm like, I've got so many, like I'm literally dropping two books simultaneously. Like I just found myself all of a sudden with multiple projects coming to a close at the same time. And that's a little much for me. Like when I've got one book, like when I last fall or last spring, rather when I was lettering Sojourners, I wasn't lettering anything else. I wasn't trying to finish another book at the same exact time as I was lettering that book. And right now I'm literally like launching the comics club, lettering time, the time travel comic, <laughs> you know, releasing my stoner comic. I'm like, all this shit is happening at the same time. And I am finally like, it wouldn't suck to just blow through a lettering draft and hand this off to somebody and have them come back and be like, this doesn't make sense. Or there's five typos yeah, or, yeah. you know, whatever you need to move this word balloon because it just doesn't read well in this corner, you know, that kind of stuff. The, the the minute decisions of this job, that's the killer. Mm-hmm. And I think people do not understand that. Like I was warned that there's so much drawing for years before I got into this business for real. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I got the drawing. But where the stress really comes from is not the drawing. It's deciding what to draw mm-hmm. or even having to change what you have to draw or, you know, the, all the, the decisions that get you to that point in the first place. I mean, it's just an intense amount of decisions or the post-production decisions, yeah. you know, it's like, thousands and thousands of decisions per project. And I know that that sounds maybe pedantic. I don't know to a listener, but it's like when you, when you really get down to it, you have to make a good decision at every one of those, mm-hmm. levels, you know, or the thing doesn't work. And it's not like you're using a crew, like making a film where all those, all these different people and department heads and all these professionals are making these decisions. You are making me, I am making these decisions all by myself. So uh, to answer your question, there there must be something in the you know ethos uh, or the ether rather right now because like I just had a friend ask me that like three days ago. Do you have anybody who's you know? And I, I don't. I do. I mean, I kind of do, but I really mm-hmm. don't. I mostly talk to my friends in the comic book business about surviving yeah. the business. You know, coming up with smarter ways to to run the business. Do, you know, getting through conventions mm-hmm. with with maybe some profit in my pocket. Uh, you know, a lot of times we're really just, honestly, I think we're just giving each other some social 
outlet time because we don't really get it when we're, you know, buckled down in the cave making art. So I wish that I had something like that. And I, you know, I've recently become uh, friendly with Shelly Bond, who is the editor who did Sandman and The Invisible. She's a fucking yeah. superstar. Yeah. Um, she's she's rad. And her husband, Philip Bond, is an amazing mm-hmm. artist. And he's also rad. I'm, I met them at L.A. Comic Con last year. Um, but I also backed her Kickstarter campaign for her uh, Fast Times in comic book editing, which is a, a comic book. It's like understanding comics mm-hmm. where it teaches you to draw comics in comic book format this is you know uh wait am i getting sorry i might be getting the name wrong yeah times in comic book editing is her life at dc comics editing vertigo but also has a lot of tips of editing but then there's a book that she did that's in comic book form called filth and grammar which is how to edit comics yeah right so it like takes a scene and tells it the wrong way and then she breaks down why it's wrong and then they retell the scene you know it's it's i mean there's like a handful of books, as you know, there's like Nate Picos just did a great mm-hmm. comics lettering yes. book, which is like going to become the industry standard. Right. And there's like comics and sequential art by Will Eisner and understanding comics that are the industry standard or how to draw comics to Marvel. All these books just kind of it's amazing when they show up. You're like, yeah, we really did need that specific exact like avenue explored. You know, like uh, Jeff Johnson did a great uh, how to draw fight scenes book. Oh, he did. Which is like, oh, I think I know that. I, that yeah, up. I uh, love Jeff Johnson's work. And yeah, and if you know his work, you're like, oh, he's one of the greatest when it comes yeah. to action, and that's because he used to do martial arts, and oh. you know, that's he and I became friends because oh, I do okay. martial arts. So it's like one of those things. Like it was all about action, you know. And then when I saw that he made that book, I was like, fucking a, give me a copy right now, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So it's it's just fantastic when you see these things. Nice, so, nice. You know, I uh, who knows? Maybe one day we'll each have our own avenue of comics, uh, you know, craft that we'll figure out how to tell in comic book form. But yeah. I don't know. Editing is becoming a more important thing. I don't know if I'm going to hire an editor, or if I'm just going to focus on it more. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I see the, uh, I see, I understand it all, all the points of view about it um, <laughs> for, for sure. You know, I'm, I'm definitely someone who, you know, does probably too many things, has too many uh, things they want to get done in a day. And, you know, the, the the pool of like I can just do this and then when you're in the middle of it you're like I wish I could just send this off to somebody to tell me what's wrong with it so I can just fix it now and then be done with it or yeah. even like at to a certain point like I wish I could just send this off to somebody and they can just fix it <laughs> not necessarily art wise but just yeah. like you know yeah. uh, if I'm mixing music or something or whatever like or just uh you know anything with like even like the podcast stuff like can I just get someone just like to like doing the podcast, talking, you know, to you, you know, especially someone like you, it's, it's fun. It's, 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 it's a great, it's a high point of my day. Uh, even if I'm exhausted at the end of the day or whatever, it's still a high point. And, you know, the times where I feel like, man, do I keep wanting to do, keep wanting to do this is when I'm trying to, so I'm just uploading it and I have to write the description, put it on the website, make the, sh- yeah. make the show art, like all that stuff. Like it's not that it's not possible to be fun, but it becomes such just work <laughs> sometimes or it's just like it's it's really hard yeah, work too just, yeah. i mean you've you, yeah you actually shows you know the deal like it, well, after i quit after i quit hosting i remained an editor for a little while for a show that was about mm-hmm. stocks and the guy who is the producer of the show is extremely ocd about like people having long oh, s's or hard hard k sounds and he would have me cut them down, 
like within a word so that it was, it sounded like just normal, clean speech every single time. And I, I flipped out. I eventually just flipped out. I was like, well, part of it was that he wouldn't give me a day off. And I was trying to explain to him the entire time I edited like 30 episodes. I was trying to explain, I'm a book artist. I have to keep putting material out because I have tables that I've paid for at conventions. So the books have to be ready for that. And the guy wouldn't give me a day off. And it was, it pissed me off, especially because it was so OCD. So I just like flipped out. And that was the very last time I edited any audio (laughs) because that was what drove me away from podcasting was just the post-production side of it is insane. It's very, I mean, especially if you're a little bit OCD and I've recently made the transition into editing video and my God, do I love it. It's so direct and easy and done when it's done. And there's only so much you can fuck with it. You know, uh, what do you, what do you use to edit with? I use Premiere okay. Rush because I'm lazy and I haven't really given myself the opportunity to learn Premiere. Um, and I also like how simple Premiere Rush is. It's like ridiculously drag and drop mm-hmm. simple. It's like out of the box, everything. I, I mean, I literally edited a video. I want to say the video I just put up behind my paywall today. I edited that. And it's only like a two minute video. So obviously that plays into the amount of time that it edited, uh, that went into editing it, but it was probably, I'm going to say 25 minutes of editing, including titles and cutting nice. and uploading. And that's insane. Like i never could get away with that with a podcast. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I, so. I really like video editing too. It is something that is, is really fun to get into. Um, I, I've, I've just recently went from like CS6 premiere to like, uh, Da Vinci and I, Hmm. I love Da Vinci so much more, very just simple, (laughs) you know, it, it, it's to the point, like if I'm looking for something, like I, I don't have to dig for things. If I, there's a a technique or something, I'm like, how do how I do this on this? It's very like user-friendly to find that kind of, um, especially with it. It sort of sounds like maybe Premiere Rush. Have you used I Rush? Have, I, I have not. I was, you know, I'm I'm trying to get away from using anything Adobe, to be honest. Um, just oh, really? because of the uh, just that? because of the 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 way they do their business with the subscription fees and then the whole AI uh, debacle going on uh, with. I mean, they're claiming their AI is clean, though. I, you're the second person to bring this up to me in the last couple of weeks because they keep. I mean, it's in my Adobe Cloud when it opens. It says clean AI all over the place. I I don't trust it. Um, and also just just yeah. for the just you know my biggest stickler though with it is because the AI thing is like everyone. There's not going to be a single large company that's not going to do some kind of fuckery with AI at some point. You're not going to be able to escape it. Of course. And my biggest hurdle with them is just the, the subscription fee thing they have. Cause I just, I, I hate mm-hmm. subscription based software. I cannot stand it when it comes to music. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. there's companies that, you know, the plugins and stuff for music, some of them are subscription based and I just don't fuck with that. Like I, I cannot like, no, there's too many subscription based things. I want to pay for the thing and be yeah. done with it. You know? And that's right. kind of where that went with. Uh, that's where my my brain kind of went with all of that. So, how do you feel about comic book subscriptions? <laughs> well, you see, well, obviously, a very different situation. Patreon, yeah, comic book subscriptions. You're getting something. <laughs> You're getting something new every yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just playing um, for sure. You know, <laughs> like I, you know, I still have CS6 Photoshop and all that. And you know, I don't know. I just haven't had the time to like move over to like, uh, I think the affinity suite is the company that a lot of people are switching off to. 
uh, with that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm just, if I can, I'm going to try to just like move away from it. And also because I heard Da Vinci was okay. very simple and Premiere, CS6 Premiere is not great. <laughs> Especially no, these well, days. And that's it, what I was trying to, outdated. you know, yeah. it doesn't. It sounds yeah. to me like, like Da Vinci is the same Probably, as Premiere Rush. I would be, because I would be shocked I, if it wasn't I, like, you know. Yeah. When I open up Premiere, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. But when I open up Premiere Rush, I'm like, oh, this is how this works. I literally almost didn't even need any tutorials to learn it. It was one yeah. of those things, you know, it's like, it's as simple as an app and, pretty much. And yeah. So anyway, I, I, will, I would just, yeah. my, my final note, I would be just that. And another, another large port part of my decision for switching from that is that, uh, CS sick was not recognizing my graphics card for rendering. So things really? would take just so much longer to render because it was just loading it all on my CPU and not my graphics card to, to help render things. Even after I've tried various hacks with it and all that, it's just too old. And to recognize the graphic cards I, the graphics oh. card I have. Well, that's yeah, yeah. And you're using a yeah. PC, yeah. right? Not a Mac. Yeah. If I was using Mac, I yeah. probably would use Final Cut or something like that. Like, I've done so many things. Well, yeah. but if you're using, yeah, if you're using Mac though, that might not have been happening because I think they do the forced obsolescence thing a little bit more with the PC. There's a whole relationship between Mac and Adobe. Yeah. So, so there's yeah, there, there's uh. there, there's that aspect to it <laughs> as well, but. Um, I'm not chastising anybody for using Adobe. I'm just saying like, I just, my main, my main gripe is it's like, I just don't like the business model and I don't want to, I don't want to contribute to it. And besides, I see too many, I see too many people complain about like, you know, because something happened, some fuckery happened at corporate or whatever that they can't get into their CS6 to, to color, to, to, or their, or not their six, their, their, their Adobe stuff to color or or letter or whatever. And like, that just seems too trepidatious for me <laughs> to like, you know, Oh, I can't oh, use this program. So you weird. Know? Yeah. I've never had a pro- I mean, anyway, no, I, I, yeah, yeah I, I know that, it's, I know it's probably yeah. a very small percentage and it's just in my own yeah. is for myself. I'm like, I'm not, it's not worth it to me, you know? Yeah. I understand that. Well, and you know, like uh, just getting away from Adobe and you know, all that, like as a brand, like I have Squarespace for my mm-hmm. website and I absolutely love it as far as, cause I used to use WordPress yeah. and I mean, Russian hackers were just making my site Swiss cheese every <laughs> single day. And I never have to deal with that kind of stuff anymore with Squarespace, but Squarespace keeps adding features and the price keeps going yeah. up and it's fucking annoying because it's like the, one of the best things about it was that when I started, it was like 50 bucks a month for yeah. everything. And it's definitely not that now. I don't know what it is, but it's like, unfortunately I was paying for the, the things they're adding. I was paying for them elsewhere. So they're giving me the opportunity to bring stuff in house, which is cool. Cause it all integrates yeah. into the website way better. But I understand your frustration. Cause I literally was thinking to myself after the most recent addition to the infrastructure, behind the scenes, I was like, this is cool. I love what's happening with it. But at the same time, am I going to look back four years from now and go, I'm spending $600 a month <laughs> for this site architecture when it was a thing that was 50 bucks a month. And that's why I joined in the first place. Like what the fuck, you know? So there is probably going to be a point where I'm going to hit that dissatisfaction yeah. with them. I mean, continually yeah, I, I don't the think there's a business know? alive that, it, you know, someone's not going to hit their breaking point with how they do things, you know, even, like right. I like, you know, I, I draw in clip studio and even then like, uh, it's, you know, they have their own subscription based model or you can buy it outright or whatever. Um, I, mm-hmm. their subscription based model is basically like, 
you can, if you do the subscription, the, the yearly subscription, like you get the latest version, but, but if you just, you can also just buy it and have the older version for as long as you want or whatever. So yeah, if Adobe did that at the very least, like, oh, you can buy, you know, the latest version of this program and that's it. You're not going to get any updates or anything. I think that would go down a lot smoother with a lot of people, but you know, because, you know, the, the, oh, I didn't realize they weren't doing that anymore. Um, if yeah. they are, if they, I, I know they weren't doing that, but if they start doing, if they've started up <clears> again, <throat> I'm unaware of that. So I, I could be wrong. Maybe they did. Yeah. No, I mean, but yeah. I vaguely remember something where they said they were going all cloud. I remember an article or maybe even an announcement so, they made. So you're probably right. I just, yeah. Anyway, besides that, you know, let's, let's talk about technology. Let's talk about comics because I, before I let you go, we, we're, yeah. we're at past two hours now and I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation with you, but you know, uh, I don't want to take up, you know, <laughs> too much more of your time, but I do want to ask you some, or the listeners, I fully understand. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I do want to ask you some questions about your art. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, cool. are you, tra- do you work traditionally? Do you work digitally? I work traditionally in black and white and I work in digital okay. color. I was, I was going to, it looks, uh, it looks like you work traditionally with the, uh, just the, the nature of the inks. Like the, just kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, cause I'm gonna ask you what's about some of your influences. Cause some of the, the, the blacks you spot, just the, the organic nature of like how, you know, the, the edges of it and all that. I'm like, this definitely gives me traditional vibes, which is great. You know, I, I, yeah, you know, it's weird. I, I don't spot blacks. Mm-hmm. I don't do my blacks the way that, that, that like traditionally the term spotting blacks refers to, this is the chunk that is black and you yeah. fill it in. Like I, I have a very organic approach. Like I have, I also have this whole thing. I don't know if you noticed, but I don't hatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because like I used to hatch a lot and I found out how hard it was to correct mm-hmm. hatching <laughs> and to get it to match after you correct it. And then, you know, I, I just, I, I think I'm just the type of artist and I didn't even realize it until if, if the last five years or so. Like I always needed white to be a component and not in the sense of corrections. Yeah. I needed it to be a component in the sense of the finish to like get the halos of light, right. You know, inside the face or whatever, you know, like there just has to be a way, I don't know. Ink just was, it's a little too prohibitive. You know, it's like, you have to get it perfect or else you have to correct it. Right. So there's a certain point where I was like, okay, the ink, I mean, I, I'm meticulous. So my inks are usually pretty tight, but I don't have the stress anymore of them having to be tight. Like they don't absolutely, it's not a catastrophe, right. If they're not tight, because I have white, and I'm comfortable with the white. And like, once I got to that point, that also pushed me away from wanting to draw mm-hmm. digitally. I mean, I hate being on a screen in general. Like I absolutely, I've got like a, like a soul allergy, <laughs> like to being on screens. I don't even have a TV. I have a projector. Like I don't like, like the light that shines from a screen into my eyes. I've never liked it. I'd never liked being on a computer when I was a kid or video games that much. I mean, video games are fun, but like I can feel my eyes like burning, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I just don't have the attention span. Like I, I can draw for 18 hours. If I have a good day drawing, you cannot get me out of the office. I have to remind myself, my friend, Mike, actually, Mike Dubish, really talented comic book artist. He's the one who taught me. He's like, I like to save a little bit for the next day. Even if you're in this fucking awesome groove and you're like, we call it the fugue state <laughs> where you're just, you, nobody can draw you out of it. You're yeah. just in it. Like you're just so deep in it. Right. But like he, learned over years to basically be like stop 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 yes it feels good yes you could go till 5 30 in the morning but you don't have to unless there's a deadline obviously but like 
you don't have to go till 5.30 in the fucking morning. Like, you can stop at 2, go watch a movie, and go to bed at 4 like a normal weird nocturnal <laughs> artist. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to fucking, like, burn it so hard every time. And so it took me a long time to learn that, yeah, you know? Yeah. That's not what it comes down to now, you know? Like, and, and being on a screen, I never get it. It's so hard for me to be on a screen for more than, like, four or five mm-hmm. hours. I just cannot stand it. No, so. I, you know, I draw all on my iPad, and that was a a steep learning curve for me because I love drawing traditionally. I would never have, a, if you would have, you know, if I would have asked myself a few years ago, you know, would you be, you know, you're going you know, to tell myself, you're going to be drawing on an iPad 99% of your time here. I'd be like, you're fucking lying. And, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, you know, granted my case is like it for my general lifestyle. It, it's what works best because I can take it anywhere I need to go. You know, I don't have, you know, I can't sit down and draw for, for extended periods of times right now. So being able to just like bring my iPad to the couch, bring my iPad to, you know, a a kid's, uh, you know, a kid's appointment and, you know, work on it here and there and there, that's what works best for me. That's how I can get my stuff done. Um, but hearing you talk about. That's what it's for. I mean, mean, (laughs) it is. And that's what, that's what for me, it just took, it just took me a long time to find the right combination of settings on the pen and all that to make it feel like that's what I would be doing if I was doing this traditionally. And it's not one it's define what's define long time. Um, I would say years because I was flirting with digital for quite a few, for about three or four years. And then in 2020, I finally buckled down and I got a, the iPad pro and Within, yeah. I want to say about a month of that, I finally found the tool set, the, the the brush set, and the settings for the brush, and the the uh, the amount of like you know stabilization or whatever that makes it feel like this is what I would be doing if I was in, traditionally. So, you know, that finally all kind of came huh. together, and, and even then, from there, it was still like a couple years now before I finally like was you know more comfortable even just doing you know being with it and doing it and all that and being able to just kind of like just draw with it as opposed to like it just being all sketchy and all that and then like the ink's taking forever because that's where i'm doing the refining you know so even like penciling digitally took took a long time for me to get get to that point where it was tighter (laughs) uh than than um or a, a, as tight as I would ten, as I would pencil traditionally. Now you know, given yeah. given the uh, given the choice, I would definitely you know still pencil in, uh, pencil and ink traditionally. I, you know, I, I I love the tactile nature of it. I love the just getting into it. You know, but hearing you talk about so yeah. crazy! Wow, sorry. <laughs> You just blew my mind by saying I love the tactile nature of it and that being a separate experience from doing it digitally. I don't know why that blew my yeah. mind, but it just you just caught me off guard it, with I mean, that, dude. Like I was like, wow. It, it, it <laughs> is. I mean, drawing it's digitally true. is its wow. own tactile experience. I, I realized yeah. that I had to embrace what it was. And embrace the tools. It, yeah, because yeah. you know, granted, you know, the advent of the Apple pencil and these, you know, matte rough screen protectors you can put on to increase the drag on the drag when you're making your strokes and all that, that goes a long way to like, at least getting the, the general feeling right. Feel. Um, but it's still a, you know, it's still 
it's still smoother. And I, you know, it's still smoother than any paper. Even like I, I like using like plate paper when I ink, you know, and yeah. Really? So not, not like glossy almost, <laughs> but like, you know, actually yeah, I just inked yeah. a commission on this, this Eon paper. Um, their, their plate okay. paper is expensive, but I wanted to check it out. It's one, it's fucking thick as hell, which is great. And two, like it was like the perfect combo of like slickness. So like I could glide if I need to glide, but if I wanted to get a little dry brushy mm-hmm. and get some texture in there, mm-hmm. no problems doing that. But it didn't have like tooth. It's still yeah, smooth. It still felt super smooth. It just was like, it had, it had just like just enough of that, that run. I don't know if it was, it sounds, I, um, I mean, I've heard nothing but like people like, rave about yeah, this Eon paper yeah. um, being like, mm-hmm. you know, the paper to use, but I, I just, you know, I, I'll check yeah, it out, I ordered maybe. a bunch of it. Well, yeah. I mean my, so I use Canson uh, or rather Strathmore um, vellum yeah. Bristol vellum texture Bristol, I should say. And uh, they, I don't think they're making it anymore. Not sure what's happening, but it's like I have to special order it now. It's it used to just be available at the art store. And now I have to like actually hunt it down. And uh, I know that's because a lot of people are doing you know digital hybrid work, and so they don't want the paper texture. So that I think they're just making a more smooth paper, maybe. But yeah, I do have to maybe branch out. It's it's super irritating. The, the same thing is with the Prismacolor um, color erase non photo blue pencils. They quit oh, making really? them mm. because. Because the technology is irrelevant, uh, yeah, yeah. but it's it's not. They happen to be very good pencils. <laughs> They're like the only only erasable underdrawing pencils. Yeah. Really, is that brand of pencil? And I'm like, oh, dude. So I'm either gonna have to switch color to a darker color because that's all that's left, or switch brands, which they all suck. They're all really waxy and they don't erase. And so it's like my whole tool setup is about to change. And I've been resisting it for the last year by buying bulk on Amazon and special ordering through the art store and stuff. And I'm like, this is not the future I asked for. It's like the AI thing. It's like, who's asking for this? Who's who ordered this future? It sucks. Yeah. Sorry. If I'm yelling a little bit, no, no, it really does. It really does suck because, um, almost, Almost uh, to, to, to tie it into the coffee thing. Like, I don't mean to be fancy with the paper and stuff I use. I just, I like it more. I wish I loved yeah. you know, the, the yellow cover, you know, super cheap 300 series Strathmore stuff. I wish that was my, I wish the, the stuff I, I use, you mean, I mean, I still yeah. use, I still have a, a stack <laughs> exactly of it, you know, yeah. you know, I wish that was my preferred thing to use, but like, it's like, once you have like, once you got the hit of the good stuff, you're like, you're like, no, it's true. It's yeah. true, man. I mean, and, and if I was, pens- yeah, maybe I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll find a new yeah. paper someday. I just, I used to use blue line paper, pre line comic paper. Yeah. And then I switched over to the Canson stuff, yeah. but it got too slick and the paper quality was so mm-hmm. inconsistent. So sometimes you'd get a page that was like, is this made of yeah, sponge? Canc- yeah. Like with our ink would just like, you know, it just go. Yeah. Canson is the worst paper maker that there is. I will, I will go to my grave defending that statement, man. I've had some disastrous experiences trying to like do huge illustrations where I was like, Oh God, why did I draw this on this paper? What the fuck? You know? And so you just spend like so much time uh, trying to avert disaster or trying to fix it with white later, like trying to fix. I mean, like I told you, I'm very comfortable with white and black 
ink, but like when it is a whole drawing that you have to correct, it's a totally different yeah, thing. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, you're like, no, no, no. This is this is a waste of a process. This is a bad process, and we're not doing this again. <laughs> so it, it, yeah. But anyway, yeah. And, it's, I, uh, and I will say, like, I you know, if I'm drawing pages in the story, yeah, the three hundred stuff, like that's fine. Like I, 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 I'm cool with that. Okay. It's, you know, I like on collections. Cause I'm like, okay, someone's going to have mm. this in their collection. Like I don't, you know, I feel like I need to use the nicer stuff. You know, I feel like I need to have it, you know, that quality of, um, paper to be a little bit higher, uh, you know, for, you know, out of like respect for the commissioner and, and stuff like that, which is funny to me. Cause then yeah. I see like, you know, people doing just fucking amazing commissions and the paper's all chewed up. There's white out and, and erase marks yeah. everywhere. And, you know, I see them give it to the, to the customer and the customer's like, this is the best fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, and I'm like, I'm like, it's all yeah, in my head. I don't think it's all care. in my head. That, 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 yeah, yeah, it is all in your head. Dude, have you seen Art, Art Adams? His commissions are dirty as fuck, but they're amazing. Yeah, I, 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 so. I've not seen them in person, but I've heard stories of like, like you see, you see the pictures online and you see these like, super yeah. detailed amazingly clean things and you're like and they're like no it is <laughs> you see he, the work man well you if you but if work. you <laughs> do you, you follow him on yeah, instagram yeah, right yeah. okay I, I mean it's like any artist worth their salt should yeah. follow that guy but uh the uh so if you swipe through the multi-photo posts that he does he usually does a close-up of the paper texture okay. somewhere in those and then you can see you're like oh my god there's so much underdrawing left. There's I actually, I even have, um, uh, what's it called? It's called, I think it's just called star Wars comics. It's like a, it's like a retrospective about comics of star Wars over the years. Right. And it's just a hardback book and it's got all of these samples in it. And there's an Arthur Adams piece in there and it's this gorgeous piece. And I mean, I spent like four days. I was, I'm practicing star Wars to pitch myself to them because I'm a mm-hmm. sci-fi guy. So I want to, eventually draw some star Wars cause it'd be yeah. awesome. Right. So I have these art books and I, I, I would lay them out and I just leave it open to a spread that I really liked for a couple of days of some illustrator did a cool star Wars piece just to like get the star Wars flavor, but hand drawn so that I can hand draw it. Cause that's kind of how I, I don't draw like other people, but I love to see how other people mm-hmm. pull it off, you know, and I'm sure you're oh, yeah, the same yeah. way. Um, so anyway, I had this thing open for multiple days and by the, th- like the third or fourth day, I finally like looked at it under a hot light. And I was like, holy shit, there's so much unerased pencil. There's so much blue pencil. I can tell that this right here is white out. Here is a shadow from the fucking scan. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is the dirtiest piece of art that I've ever seen in a hardback book in my life. That wasn't like an artist edition, you know? I was like, Jesus Christ, it blew my mind. But that's also what it comes down to when, it, when you're printing. Because like, we'll, we'll put a page in Photoshop and try to clean it up. And I'm, I've, in the past, I would spend days cleaning up an illustration in mm-hmm. Photoshop. And then I just started doing searches of like, what are the fast techniques to like clean up a piece of black and white art? And I found out there's strategies with, you know, filters, the mix channel mixers and stuff like that, where you could do it in seconds. And then you realize I'm a fool <laughs> <laughs> for spending the days and days that I spent over those years trying to learn, you know, but the, the digital art is a new, th- yeah. was a new thing back then, right? There, we didn't have YouTube no, to go no. for tutorials until somewhat recently. So it's just a funny, you know, experience of having to go through that the hard way and then figuring out there's an easy way and then sort of having a little bit of self-loathing loathing that'll never go away <laughs> regarding that you know? yeah but uh anyhow it's fun it's a fun yeah, job I mean, it just is full of a lot of side yeah, roads I mean, right that's, that's the thing about too like you know being artists ourselves we're still fans of art 
And, you know, that that's one of my favorite things about knowing so many different artists is because I'm a fan of so many different people, so many different styles. It's not that I want to draw like them, but I am in awe of how they draw, <laughs> you know, you know, this is, well, that's one of the things that's cool yeah. about drawing. This is why AI sucks yeah. because like the way a single artist interprets the idea they're trying to put on paper can't be no. repeated. It's that person's signature full stop. Yeah. I mean, even if you get the AI to do it in the style of Mobius, those don't look like Mobius drawings. No. <laughs> you know what they I mean? They look like so an AI trying to draw on the style of Mobius. And that's just... Yeah, and, and it looks like... It, you know they look like? They don't remind me of a comic book artist who is inspired by Mobius. They remind me of the people who are trying to paint exactly like Frank Frazetta. Okay, yeah. Because there's something so mysterious about Frazetta's technique that nobody can nail it. Nobody. There's almost there's only like two people in the world who can clone a Frazetta painting and that like have you believe... Is that a Frazetta I haven't seen before for a split <laughs> second? You know, it's like two yeah. people on earth who can pull that off. Right. So that's what AI is anyway, yeah. tangent, but you know, it's just, there's, there's something so amazing about like, you know, go back to somebody I just mentioned a second ago, Philip Bond. I could tell you a Philip Bond drawing. I could tell you a Frank quietly drawing, you know, I can tell you a Frank Miller drawing just from a glance. And like, I just think there's something so amazing to that. It's like calligraphy, you know, it's like, that person, that person's signature in yes, art. Yes. You know, it's, a, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, it, it really is. And, um, you know, I, I do want to mention that you, again, you, you mentioned the being comfortable with the white and the black and all that. And, and that is very akin to how I do a lot of things too. Like I'm very, like, it's something that I've, I've had to embrace because I was like, I was the person like, be perfect. The black, the shadow, perfect. The first time I'm laying them down. And it's mm -hmm. like, no. Well, because some people get it, yeah. right? Some people know how to do that shadow shape that's exactly the right yeah. shape, right? And you're like, how do you fucking yeah. do that? And so, yeah, I've even even digitally, like, you know, there's there's a setting where I can basically, you know, convert my brush into my my inking brush into an eraser, you know, with one click. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I'll just lay down a swath of black ink for a shadow and then I can carve it out. I can carve out the the lines, yeah. the 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 halos, and, and things like that, and that is like some of the most fun stuff to do for me. Yeah, and you know, yeah. I've finally found some good whiteout uh, ink pens and stuff. I do so when I do that traditionally, I can I can get the same, you know, uh, kind of yeah. just you know workflow with it. You know, I really like the uh, these exactly. uh, Pentel Presto correction pens. Um, Oh really? Yeah, I haven't tried I mean, those. It, it's a thick, it's a thick tip, so you're gonna have to go back in to you know really get some finer points to things with with the ink. Oh wait, it's like the blue. It's like wait a minute, maybe that's what it, maybe that's what it's I. It's the stubby blue one. Okay. No, okay, no, I'm using the the gel, oh, the white I, gel. No, I like the, I can't I, think who makes those. I think those are yeah, also I, Pentel. I like though. the white gels too. I, I think, like the white gels too. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, the one, the one is really good for corrections, but anything smaller, the the flow is. I, I don't know. I hope somebody figures out like a. Cause I use a Pentel pocket brush for mm -hmm, blacks and it's a little thin. I use, I use an actual like Sumi lacquer ink for my star fields, you know, my black mm -hmm. backgrounds and stuff like that. But for actual line work, I use, I love that brush pen, you know, and I just like wish somebody would come up with the white version of that so bad all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, where yeah. is it? Somebody please figure this out. I'm sure it'd be the most horrible fucking chemical oh, yeah. to make it flow yeah, that for way, sure. you know, but yeah. I'll yeah. take it. I'm not going to eat it like old, you know, oil painters did in the fucking twenties. I'm not going to like be eating cadmium or anything, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. My, um, my buddy, so. uh, 
I want to say it's either Ryan Lee or Jason Copeland, uh, two two different fantastic artists. They they both are like big whiteout guys, and they use yeah. I, one of them. I remember was singing the praises of this, and I'm like, for real, for real. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, all right. And I got a pack of them. I'm like, you're right. But I will say, if you're using the blue stubby Presto thing, it does have a smell. If you're using a lot of it. <laughs> You get you kind of get yeah. It's like well, it's like actual yeah, white you get out, that right? permanent marker, uh, white outish. It's not immediate, but like mm-hmm. I was using quite a bit of it on, on one of a uh, recent commission, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, uh, let me open the window a little bit here, just because I'm directly over this thing and it is a little noxious. But um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I I really um, I use a go ahead. no go ahead go, go ahead. ahead. I use a Dr. Martin's okay. white. That's what I use. And I use a flat, a flat okay. brush with it. So that gives me, I can do a like edge. I can even do like strands of hair mm-hmm. and stuff as long as it's, a, you know, not dry. Cause it oh, dries yeah. super fast. It's basically acrylic, yeah. but I water it down a little bit and it dries flat white. It doesn't dry blue mm-hmm. or yellow, you know? So that's why I've kind of settled with that, you know, cause even the, the gel pens, those, those dry a little bit blue mm-hmm. and over time they kind of turn gray or transparent even. Oh. So, like I know, I know that I'm not doing archival work when I'm using those, which is why I'm always on the lookout for a good white. Cool, know? cool. Yeah, I've tried. I've tried the Doc Martin yeah. stuff. Like I'm not fast. Yeah, I, it was like too much to like maintain. <laughs> it didn't dry out and do all this other stuff, and it's just like it became such a, like a the maintenance of it. And I was probably doing something wrong. I'm yeah. sure. Uh, on top of it all, but you know. no, no, no. It does not dry fast. It dries fast yeah, on the yeah, brush. That, That's it, the there's problem. There's like That's so much saying. in between. So, of like yeah know, all that like I, I just it was too much for me um the same thing like i i just i just learned to stage it mm-hmm. i just learned the timing of it and like i learned you know it's like if i if i'm gonna have to work on top of it i just know that i need to wait at least like six mm-hmm. hours to work on top of it unless i use the yeah. hairdryer it depends on the you know there's there's tricks you know to, to speed things up a yeah, little bit for sure. yeah yeah for sure yeah for sure yeah i'm 100 percent admitting that i probably just needed to like buckle down <laughs> and and learn to work well and like you with yeah. the ipad dude it took me a couple yeah, of years it's, to get really it's, good with it, it's a thing you know? but um you know i, I did want to mention like you know the way you spotted blacks uh like it it really like it drew me in because like it's it's definitely my bag the way you're doing it and Thank you. and how you're Thank doing you, it man. and i'm like yes this um because i um i want i wanted to suspect like i feel like he does he you you do it the way you do it like you you put down this 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 black, but you come back and you carve out more more of the shapes and, and stuff like that. It got I got that impression from well, it. Well, yeah. And I want yeah. let me let me put a button on that so I can finish a thought because yeah. I I didn't finish my thought when you brought that mm-hmm. up the first time, which is that uh, I don't hatch. I shade texturally, mm-hmm. right? So like I will put in scumbly blacks and stuff. Like I love you know like putting in some leaves, leaf vague leaf shapes with the brush tip, yeah. you know, letting the, the, the texture of the tip itself suggest the leaf, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is really awesome. I, I hate hatching because it just, I get really bogged down in the pattern of the hatch yeah. itself. But when I do the textural shading and spotting of blacks ish, you know, like I said, it's not really spotting, but like I find my way through it in a textural sense. Like I'm looking at the, the actual texture of the mm-hmm. object and like that I get, it's fun. Cause I get lost in it. A little oh bit, yeah. It, it is. Know? That's what I like about that versus yeah, hatching. It's, it's, you know, I, I still hatch from time to time. I'm trying to get away from it. Uh, I still, I just end up doing it. Um, but 
I no, I I'm totally with you 100%. It is one of the most meditative things to do with the, with the the ink with the blacks and and this you know the way you're doing them and the you know I guess halfway similar way I I do them myself like it it really just is a, yeah. it's a thing that you can just kind of meditate on while you're doing it and you just can get sucked in so fast. And you know yeah. it, it's it's yeah. part of things where you're like this is a lot of fun. <laughs> Drawing's fun. <laughs> you know? It's really you know? fun. I've been having this year's been so fucked up that it's been really hard to carve out the time yeah. to draw. And like, I can immediately tell the difference in my mental health if I'm not spending enough time drawing. It just, it's not hard at all. Even my friends are like, you okay? You look a little ragged. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, because I'm not channeling all, speaking of rage, I'm not channeling yeah. this shit into something right now. And it's really difficult to deal yeah. with. So, you know, and it's not to say that I'm a rage monster. No, or anything, it, I, I mean, you know, I mean, the creative, I, I have some anger, you know, I got some frustrations. I mean, creative, creative outlet <laughs> is so huge to our mental health, yeah. whether you do it professionally or not. And that is something I yeah. tell anybody I know who's not in the arts or whatever, you know, it's like, you got to find something to express yourself mm -hmm. creatively. You, you know, really like, do. And when people tell me they're not creative at all, I'm like, you are, there's something that yeah. you're doing and you're just not realizing it's whether, your creativity. You know, whether it is like, you know, people who play D and D and you know, like you're being creative, you're crafting stories, you're telling you, you're doing this. Dude, of course. That's yeah, just very you know, creative. Or like, you know, or, you know, if you're people who like to plant gardens and, and stuff like that, like that's being creative. Like you're figuring out a, a design of your, th you're figuring out something, a way to express yourself and you're putting work into it. And it, it's so huge for our brains. So huge. And yeah, I just think we're trained to believe it has to be like acting or yeah. music or, you know, like, it, like, like creativity is put in a box, like everything yeah. else in America, basically, like it has to fit yeah. in a box to be able to describe and, and the it. Worst, yeah. But really it is not, it's, it's an, it's an act of exactly, expression. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you just taking those ideas and you're finding the And form. then the worst part is in the past 10, 15 years, it's also viewed as something like, Oh, you got to make money from it. Like, no, you fucking don't like, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, yeah. I, I would absolutely love if, you know, any income I made was, and it was, it was, it was enough to like a proper contribution to my household was from, from art mm -hmm. and comics. But, you know, that's so hard, <laughs> so difficult to do. It's really and hard. I see so it's, many, yeah, I see so really many hard. younger artists who yeah. like want to make that jump to being all freelance and doing art all the time and they try it and they, it doesn't work out and they get so defeated. And I'm like, man, you are so talented and you're so good. And I'm sorry the world is not structured in a way you could make your living off of doing this thing you're really good at, but it's not. So few well, people can. So few people what? can. So don't stop trying, yeah. but give yourself yeah. the grace to know that if it doesn't, it's not because you're not good enough. It's not because you didn't do the right thing. It's just it didn't happen. Things didn't along then didn't, you know, and granted it's very general uh, way of saying, saying things. Cause some people, let's be honest, aren't good enough to do it professionally. And some people are, no. and that's fine, but it doesn't mean what you do isn't good. It's not entertaining. It's not going to, it's not going to be someone's favorite thing. You know, I, I can think of, you know, plenty of music and uh, movies and uh, books, uh, comics and stuff like that, where, Oh, yeah, not the best artists or not the best writer, not the best directors or actors were in this thing, but I love it dearly. Important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not I'm not trying to say that, but it's like you got you gotta have some sort of realistic 
expectation that like if it doesn't happen don't torch what you're doing don't torch your creativity like find a way to do it find yeah. a way to do it find a way to pay your bills yeah. and live your life and be happy and and and, and a healthy way. <laughs> and 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 do your yeah and, you know look dude i i and i think there's a b-side to that too which is that you know artists can study business yeah. too and it's not a four-letter word the way that we treat it and like I, I have invested in it recently in the last four or five years because I was ruining my mm -hmm. life trying to do business as an artist the way that business is quote unquote done as an artist. You know, the freelance hustle and chasing comic companies with submissions and spec work and, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to get an agent, trying to get a manager, trying to get a lawyer, well, all the fucking bullshit that you think you have to do before you make it into a thing that can, you know, be a product that people would connect to as an audience member. Cause like, obviously you don't want to commoditize it, but like if you're a comic book artist, for instance, you're making a thing that requires an audience yeah. to interact with it. So there is a way to make that viable. And I think one of the biggest disservices that a lot of people do for themselves is they just kind of try to do the thing, the way it's sold, you know, like the packaged mm -hmm. business models of social media or whatever, you know, like that's how people do business now. And it's just like, I'm just, the more that I'm studying business and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm going to be fully honest. Like I'm fully experimenting with business models that are totally new to me right now. But like these business models have existed for a long time and they're time tested by many, many, many different industries, you know? And like the more I study it, the more I see that people in comics specifically don't. And a lot of artists specifically don't. They don't care to, mm -hmm. you know? And they don't even realize that like, there are books written for creative people about business by creative people because they know how much of a pain in, it, in the ass it is for us to yep. put our heads into that space, you know? And I just think that like, if you're an artist and you do care enough and you're like literally about to torpedo your dreams, cause I've seen, I mean, I have great friends in my life who've totally walked away from their dreams because this part of it is hard. And I think that like, that is the, that's the failure is the walk away, you know? Because there's also people who've gotten famous for their craft in their 50s. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it just takes a while for it to gel like anything, like learning on learning to draw digitally. <laughs> you know, it's like some stuff just takes fucking time. And like you either have to be able to endure the time or you have to find some kind of asymmetrical approach to cut the time, you know? And I think that just not enough people are willing to do that. They're just so... And I'm trying, I'm not trying to insult anybody. I just think that because we're, we're all guilty of this. I mean, I've spent the last, like a good chunk of the last decade, just doom scrolling, mm -hmm. you know, just completely wrapped in the social media fucking silo that we all get stuck in and in the echo chamber and mad, mad about politics or mad about whatever. And like, that, that just doesn't serve you, you know? And like, I just think if you're really serious about being a creative person, whatever you're, the form of it is, you have to find a way out of that box you know, cause it's the only way you can make money as an artist is your way. Yeah. Like if you look at the artists who make money, they're making, they're, they found something unique about mm -hmm. their work that they can sell. Right. So it's, there's always a special way that is specific to you to make money on this. So if there's anything, honestly, that somebody would take away from this podcast, I hope it's that. Cause like, that's just, I just see so many artists sabotage themselves by just not being willing to even think that way, yeah. you know? No, no. Yeah. Like, I, it's like I'm saying, I'm not complimenting myself. This is just the thing I see all no, over I, I, I also 100% agree. You know, there's definitely a, um, uh, a, a, a way that I can definitely notice people who, op the way certain people operate, if they have business experience, if 
worked in a, just a regular job for long enough before they started doing mm-hmm. this, where they get it, get, you know, the, the gloss, the glossy dream of doing art for a living. Um, you know, they, they know the reality of working for a living, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, not that, not that yeah. art doesn't work, you know what I, but you know what I mean? Like they, they, they know, they, no, no, they no, know I, yeah, stability. the stability of like stability. having a schedule, having mm-hmm. these things and, mm-hmm. you know, learning about the right things to do and the wrong things to do. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say like, Oh, if someone tells you, you know, for every person who has the, I, this is how I broke in the comics. That's how they broke into comics. That's how they got successful in comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has a slightly different story. They're the days of like showing up at a convention with your portfolio and getting hired to draw Spider-Man. One never really happened. And two, like, you yeah. know, I, those guys jobbed on like what ifs and Marvel team ups and things like that before they even touched yeah. a big book. But, you know, those days, you know, they were temporarily replaced by, you know, the tumblers and the Twitters, but even then now that's going away. You know, mm-hmm. I can't tell you, you don't even have to be you know, that now. You don't need a job like that. You anymore. know, and you know, there, there's, there's other ways to do it. There's other ways to, to, do these things. And it's just, it's changing so fast that it is, I understand mm-hmm. how difficult it is for people to course correct or figure out like, or even ask themselves yeah. like, what is the right way? You know, dude, part of the reason the last 10 years have been largely directionless for me until 2019 or so I had just had some life changing stuff start in 2019 prior to the pandemic. And it just carried through the pandemic. And it was like, the slap in the face that I needed to just focus it all mm-hmm. together and realize like all of these potential business avenues for making money off of art or using the internet to make money so that I can have free time to do art, you know, aside from that or whatever, like they were all distractions. And it, it wasn't until I had the slap in the face that I realized many of those distractions I had allowed to lead me down the garden path of, you know, ignoring the thing that I could do for myself that I could actually do and actually accomplish, you know, and this is what it really comes down to is like the, the, the best way to like make it as an artist is to complete the fucking thing that you're setting out mm-hmm. to do and start pushing it into the world and like put yourself out there in person, not on social media. You know, I mean, social media helps putting, doing lives and videos are great, but like a video is better than doing a live video and a live video is better doing than doing a post. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause the post is at the very fucking bottom of the value chain of all that stuff, you know? Like the, the top of the value chain is you standing in a comic book store all by yourself being the only comic book creator that anybody's there to focus on. Yeah. Right. And then one step below that is conventions where you're there with a whole bunch of guys. And then one step below that is when you're on the racks in the store with all the other books and no mm-hmm. creators. And there's like, it goes down from there. And I think there's, there's versions of that for every art form for music. I mean, music is its own complicated animal of how to make money these days, but ultimately getting out in person is like the way for all of us to make money as creatives, no matter what your format. Yeah. It's, it's, if, if I could just, you know, put my final pin on whatever it is, is a set. It's hard and you should really, you know, Mm -hmm. just do your research and give yourself grace and having, Mm -hmm. having, having a part-time job while you work on art, having a full-time job while you work on art. I mean, it's going to be the reality of so many more people than it's not going to be. And that's not defeat. It's the dirty that's secret of comics. Defeat is stopping. The dirty secret of comics is that a lot of people, 
I'm sorry, man. I'm no, totally, no, I no, no, on no. You. That, it's true though. So many people are doing work outside of comics and they just don't talk about it, you know? Yeah. And yeah, you only lost, you only defeated when you stopped creating. And that's, that's mm-hmm. when you've really given up. That's when you've lost yeah. all chances, anything. But, you know, it, it's hard. I know I, I have a similar story where like, you know, I've, you know, I got back in the drawing, you know, around 2010 and I was still working full time, you know, uh, muting and all that. And I wasted so much fucking time not drawing and doing things because <laughs> I was tired yeah. from commuting, tired from my job, tired from these things. And I made so many excuses and you know, that I just didn't do it. And then it wasn't until I had kids and then, you know, Oh, I had to do a part-time thing at home and, and I had to like have so many other responsibilities to me. That I'm like, I had to prioritize art. I had to make it a priority if I wanted to do anything with it. And it wasn't until, you know, 2020 when I started, you know, even then I, I let go of the idea of like doing a thing myself. And I started working with other writers on short stories. Cause that was kind of like the, I'm like, Hey, everyone's talking about, they're going to start writing more short stories. Fine. Here's a small page. Here's a low page rate. Let's let's, you know, and that's how I got used to digital too. I'm like, I got my iPad digital six, you know, pages, super low page rate. Who wants to work with me? And that kickstarted a whole bunch of stuff for me. And it made me prioritize art. And it's got me into a position now where I have, you know, a creator owned book that's had two very successful Kickstarters and I have a regular gig drawing another, you know, and I'm not, you know, busting the bank on it, but I would not have assumed this was going to happen, you know, and it seems like I've had to turn down several people, you know, for stuff for the next couple of years because I'm committed to these other projects and other projects I was going to be doing later on. And I'm like, I've never thought I'd have to turn anybody down, <laughs> you know? And it's just because you have to prioritize it. You have to work with what you got and you just can't give up. You can't, you just can't stop. And, you know, you are, uh, you're a prime example of that, you know, and you, you did the research you, you set up the business, you have a really cool group of books. You have this really cool subscription model, uh, platform and everything. And, you know, I wish nothing but immense success for you on that. Um, you know, and I guess we'll wrap up the podcast now at almost three hours, but you know, it's been a blast talking to you, Craig. I, I really appreciate your, um, your insights on things. And, you know, again, I, I really like the, the way the books are shaping up and everything's looking. And I really hope, you know, the monkey gong subscription stuff is just gangbusters for you and it kicks all forms of ass. I'll make sure there's links to show to every that in the show notes below and all that. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a prime example of just the, don't you don't have any quit keep pushing keep keep moving and keep doing your thing and yeah. finish your things and get them out there so. that's a really great compliment man thank you so much for saying it that way i never looking for those but i'll take them whenever i uh, if i have anything it's the no quit about this because i'm obsessed with it it won't quit with me either so i don't know what i would do i mean you know i i i've I, i've told my wife this you know from you know the, the very beginning and even more so now if i have no people wanting to pay me for my art i'm still going to make out comics i'm still going to make my own books like I'm, it's not going to stop my my life around it will you know change i might have to you know take on more you know uh 
you know, outside work or uh, do other things that are not art, but I'm still going to make comics. I'm not going to quit, man. It's, and you know, I know that's deep inside so many of us, but it can get buried with the stress and the expectations of everything. And, you know, the world doesn't make it any better. <laughs> uh, it, it is, it, I, I can't imagine the, the difficulty younger kids have these days, you know, trying to find, you know, a place to live, a place to work and still like do all this other stuff. <laughs> you know, I feel like, you know, the fact that I even own a home, you know, is an outlier <laughs> in my own generation, you know, and I'm 40, you know, 41, you know, it's like, it's insane. You know, I, I get it. I really do. But, you know, just, you know, it, it it's, yeah. you, you know, you, you know, it's, you know, you're not going to quit. So don't. Mm-hmm. So don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's worth it. To, it's worth it to go through the tough times because the tough times are what teach you everything that you need to make it through the good times. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a unique beast of a job. You it know, is. And I, it, I look forward to talking about it a lot it more. Is. And, you know, uh, Craig, again, I, I had a blast talking to you. We're, 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 we're bumping three hours. Um, and <laughs> you know, I still feel like we probably go on for a lot more, but, <laughs> uh, I, we have, we have lives. lives. I have children. <laughs> I have to figure out some sort of amount of sleep before I have to, you know, I'm still assuming I'm going to be getting up at five o'clock in the morning now to, to go to the gym before my very busy Friday, which uh, I'm not going to cross Oof. my fingers. That's going to happen. Well, that's all I'm going to say. But Craig, yeah. it's been an absolute blast talking. It's yeah. well worth it. Missing, missing, uh, uh, missing a gym session to chat with you. Uh, I can't wait to have you back on again. I hope monkey gong just is just, you know, an absolute success for you and you know, everyone please go check it out. Um, and Craig, uh, now is the time to, uh, let everyone know where they can find you online. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, first of all, for having me done, it's been a great conversation. So, uh, worth the three hours. Um, and, uh, hopefully we can have further conversations in the future about all such things as we discussed today. Um, people can find me of course at monkeygong.com. That's M O N K E Y G O N G. If you didn't catch the spelling before, uh, everything is very obvious on the site, how to con- uh, connect with the subscription, how to go to the shop and buy the comics if you just want to buy the books instead of subscribing, et cetera, et cetera. And you can find me on social media at Craig Comics. That's K-R-A-I-G-C-O-M-X. And if you are a Southern California convention attendee, I will be at the LA Comic Con December 1st through 3rd, sharing a small press corner table with my buddy Mike Dubish from Forbidden Futures, uh, just like we did last year. So please come and say hi. Uh, everybody go check it out Craig once again thank you so much thank you Don you have a great night